All right, welcome back to the D Sweet Nation podcast show. We've been gone a while. Dan and I have been doing other things, and uh, we've been preparing and setting up for our new new place here. And uh, we got Mike Fordham back for this is about his third or fourth appearance on the show. He's from the Flint Cultural Center Academy. Welcome uh, back, Mike. Uh, on, Illinois everybody. Fighting Illini football player, uh, and he's a, a football coach at Hamity High School, coaching the, the D&O line. I'm sure he's doing a good job because he does a good job everywhere he coaches. Welcome back, Mike. I appreciate the opportunity to come back here and kick it with you guys. How you been, brother? How things been going? Oh, everything is great right now. We're loving, loving everything going on in the city. Football's back. We're watching some preseason games. So, you know, this is the, the great time of year, ready to get it cracking. Beautiful time of year. And we, we got some uh, football topics that we're going to talk about today. Dan, you want to take it from here? Yeah, man. We're Good to have you back, Mike. Good to see you again. Yeah, it's been a while. Too, Dan. Everybody uh, doesn't know, but Dan has a nice tan, looking good. So uh, look out. As soon <laughs> oh as we get out of here, it's on and popping. <laughs> oh, Lord have mercy. Anyways, uh, yeah, today we're going to talk some football topics, Mike. Yeah. I'm going to get into, uh, as you know, last week, the Hall of Fame induction ceremony. Uh, double bonus Hall of Fame induction ceremony because they didn't have the proceedings last year because of COVID. So they actually inducted the 2020 class along with the 2021 class. Some star-studded names in both classes. We're going to get into that. Absolutely. Um, and then if we have some time, I wanted to get into the expanded college football playoffs, what that looks like, what that might mean. Just let everybody know what's going on. But first, I wanted to bring up a quick topic. I want to get talked about something real quick. Don't want to spend a lot of time on it, but just yeah, I thought it was something very important to me. And uh, not important, but, to, uh, you know, it, it's a big deal. Yeah. Um, and that's... COVID affecting the NFL, specifically, you know, the NFL has put out a mandate that, that coaches and staff get vaccinated. And there's already been a couple coaches fired because they refuse to get vaccinated. And players, some players, you know, teams have said, we'll, we'll cut guys. We don't care their superstar level. We don't, we don't care their level of play. We'll, we'll cut you if you don't vaccinate. Mm-hmm. So I just want to get uh, your guys' opinion about that and what do you think about that? And should people lose their jobs because – they don't want to. They don't want to get the vaccine. Go ahead, Mike. Well, um, honestly, this is something—a topic that's kind of close to my heart because uh, my wife is actually a pharmacy technician. Uh, yesterday, she vaccinated three of my daughters. She gave me my vaccine as well. So, obviously, I'm pro-vaccine. Um, honestly, I heard it best. I think it was last week when I heard somebody saying that your individual freedoms should not cost me my life. So. If if you want to, you know, not get a vaccine or whatnot, my thing is either stay home or stay out of crowds. I, I, I don't I don't know how to put it, but I understand you wanting to have your individual freedoms. But when it gets to the point where you're infecting other individuals, I mean, at that point, it's purely selfish. It's it's, it's down now. Is it and it's not, you know. Usually, when you do something selfish, you know, it's it's a uh, you didn't get the extra piece of candy. You didn't uh, get those extra dollars. But when your individual freedoms and your selfishness is causing me or my family or, or, or any other individual to have to go to the hospital and potentially face a life or death situation, you really have to do some soul searching and say, am I being selfish? Because uh, honestly, I've been, I've been thinking about this topic a long time and I've been wondering if there's a point where the hospitals are, because you know there are certain things where they'll they'll do uh, like a limited treatment kind of uh, option where 
uh, say, for instance, if you decide not to get the vaccine, um, you have to have 30 days. And at that point, you know, hospitals would just treat you on an out, outpatient basis because, mm-hmm. I mean, obviously they're flooding the hospitals. We have, we have certain uh, down like in uh, Louisiana, they're trying to bring ships in to host some of these uh, people who are, you know, infected with this uh, new strand and different things. So, again, I mean, you, you, we, we just got to be smart about it. And, and um, this, obviously this thing is not going away. It's been since 2020 where we're headed, you know, fast and rapidly into 2022. So, you know, we got to do something different. Yeah. Ray, what's your opinion? Well, um, <clears throat> when I heard about the NFL thing and what you just touched on a second ago, Dan, I'm a small business owner myself. Uh, it's almost been a year now that I've had my, my small business. So I'm, I'm going to sp- speak on it as a, a business owner uh, aspect. I'm, I'm also pro-vaccine. I've, I've been vaccinated myself. And um, as far as coaches getting fired and, and losing their jobs, the only thing I, only opinion I really have on that is my personal business that I own. Um, I can't like I can't physically or, or make people get the vaccine, but the example I can give you here let's let's say I offered you a, a job or whatever, or, or let's say you were working, say you've been working for me for a year, and. If I if I make a decision that, you know, I, I personally think it would be a good idea if you got the vaccine, I, I would, you know, if you didn't want to do it, I can't make you, you know, it's your decision. But I, the way that I would do, I wouldn't say you're fired. You're not getting a vaccination, you're fired. I wouldn't say that. But I would give you 40 days to think about it, okay? Like if, if you decide to get the first shot, then, you know, you gotta would have to get the second one. I would give you 40 days to think about it. After that 40th day... If you're not vaccinated, you're not coming back. That's what I would do for my business. Okay. Um, uh, you will wear masks in the plants and in, uh, outside or in the plants at your pickup spot and at your drop off spot. Yeah. You will have a mask on. Yeah. And and one more thing. I can't remember the name of that. Uh, I don't know if I was even born yet, but the, the previous like major pandemic we had was that in the 60s or 70s. Well, yeah, this this is where I get a little lost too because I thought it was like um, there was it was it's not the swine flu right that was a long time ago but it I, was SARS yeah SARS, yeah bird well flu. the bird if, flu if you um, talk to if if Spanish if you hear the opinions in some of the older older people if you hear mm-hmm. uh, the, they will tell you that when that was going on when that pandemic was going on nobody argued about it nobody complained every the whole country came together let's do what we got to do. And it's not like that now. No, it's like it's, it's like not. a us versus them. And and to me, now this is just my opinion here. This is the way I view it. And you know, I apologize if I've got right wing people watching this and not gonna agree. I really don't give a shit what you think. Um in my opinion, when when people say stuff like you're violating my civil rights, I ain't getting you in my civil rights. Nobody's violating your civil rights, okay? If I if I handcuffed Mike and was hitting him with a ball bat. That's that's violating his civil rights and whatever. But people like that that you see on TV all the time or on the, you know, that are complaining, I'm not doing it, I ain't wearing no mask. Those are the same kinds of people that would take a coupon to Kmart that's five months expired. They know it's expired. They'll try to use it. We'll get refused and we'll make a scene. Those are the same yeah. kinds of people that yeah. that are anti-vaccine, in my estimation, my opinion. 
Right. So as far as to answer your question, Dan, and, and my personal business, um, you'll have 40 days to think about if you want to get the vaccine or not. If you choose not to get the vaccine, I wish you well. I understand. No hard feelings. Good luck. If you change your mind later, maybe we'll talk. So that, that's my opinion on that. Okay. And at okay. the end of the day, we're, we're all Team American. So when yeah. we all, if you yeah. wake up in North America, you wake up just by default with the American jersey on. Yes. And the thing about it is, and, and you know, like, as Ray mentioned, you know, I'm coaching up football right now. One of the, the uh, greatest attributes a football player, or a, actually any athlete or honestly anyone could have, is to be coachable. So as we as Americans need to figure out how to be coachable and to learn that we don't necessarily know everything. And there are actually doctors and scientists who study these things. And when they're telling us that the best way to go is to get everyone vaccinated till we can get to the 80% of the herd immunity, hey, let's put your jerseys on. Everybody doesn't agree, you know, what play the coach calls on third and ten. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You know, what what happened with Seattle when uh, Marshawn Lynch, you know, <laughs> didn't, you know, get the ball. I mean, it, it, it didn't work out, but everybody still ran the play. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So, let's just run the play. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, my, my opinion on now, that. You were in the military, right, Dan? I was, yes. Now, you probably got a million shots when you were in the military, before, during, and, or whatever. Yep. yep. We, I went to two overseas uh, training deployments to Australia and Japan, and, and both times we had to get uh, vaccines. We had to get vaccines for, you know, smallpox vaccines, yeah. stuff like that. But, yeah. it, it, you know, that's a little bit different because they're – and I'll touch on this a little bit later, but those vaccines were known, right? They've been around for a long time, right? right? I think some of the hesitation, you know, and this is my personal feelings too, that with the COVID vaccine is it's it's just too new. It's too new, too untested. Um, you know, already, you know, there's been, although be it a low percentage, there's been some people with permanent side effects from some of the vaccines. Yeah, the Johnson & Johnson had a couple effects, yeah. Right, and in my personal age, health condition, right, I feel like I don't need the vaccine. I'll take my chances with COVID, right, because I know I'll survive COVID, mm-hmm. right, because I don't have any underlying health conditions. I'm at an age and a health status where I'll, I'll get COVID, I'll be fine. Now, I think some of the, the parallels between this issue with some of the players in the NFL – and society are kind of the same, right? They're like, yeah, I get the whole greater good for the team thing, right? Like, I need to be available for my team. Uh, I need to help my team win. Mm-hmm. But you also got to think about individual liberties and individual rights, you know, and it's my decision. It's a player's decision. It's a coach's decision whether or not you want to put that in your body or not. Right. Now, to lose your job over that, that's where I, I get into the, like, I'm not a big fan of the, like, we're going to, the government or schools or, you know, businesses are, are going to mandate people getting the vaccine. I don't, I don't think that's, I think that's a violation of people's civil freedoms, right? Um, so, yeah, I get that. But the NFL went all last season with strict protocols in place with 100% unvaccinated players and coaches, right? They survived an entire season with, with minimal effect from, COVID in the league. So why all of a sudden now when vaccination vaccinations are at their highest and it seems as if COVID's going away, it's making a, you know, a little aftershock in COVID right now, but it's, it's going away for the most part. Um, 
you know, why is it such a big deal? You know, those, if you're unvaccinated, go through the protocols. Every coach and player would be willing to go through those protocols to be on the team, to, to keep their civil freedom of not being vaccinated. And that's where I don't, I, I don't think it's unfair. You know, Coach Rick Dennison, longtime Minnesota offensive line coach, he got let go. Although he, he did get brought back in a, in a reassigned role where he has no direct contact with players as a special, like, offensive advisory position. Uh, and then Cole Popovich, New England co-offensive line coaches. Those are the two coaches that got fired. And, uh, you know, Cole Beasley has been the most outspoken, uh, you know, about not getting vaccinated. Um, the Buffalo Bills are really pushing the vaccine and trying to get their staff and players vaccinated. Um, and then Goodell actually issued some guidelines about the upcoming season with COVID. It said an unvaccinated player affects his team and the team, and it leads to a, a game having to be rescheduled or canceled. The team experiencing the outbreak, outbreak would be held financially liable the opposing team's expenses. And if the team, the game couldn't be rescheduled, that team would be forced to forfeit that game. Okay. Um, let me ask you this. Um, I would probably be in the same boat as you, except um, with the numbers and all that, you know, and I know I'll be fine. I, I get all that. But, but this is contagious. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you were to have it and you were fine, and you probably will be fine, mm-hmm. you're going to pass it along to him who's going to pass it along to her who's going to pass it along to somebody. It spreads. If it was a non-contagious disease, like if, he, like if I had COVID and you guys couldn't get it, then, then I would think, you know, I don't know if I'm going to get the vaccine or not, but it, but it spreads, you know, yeah. and there's sick people here, older people. He lost a close relative oh, uh, I know because that. of that. I know that. And, and I don't take that part of it And it probably got, you know, spread to him by, you know, somewhere – he. You never know where it could have stemmed from, but yeah, yeah, and you I, can be asymptomatic, and you know, and, and still, but still carry mm-hmm. the the virus or whatnot. But a lot of what a lot of people don't understand when you're dealing with um, the, like the flu virus and different things, um, it's it's almost like uh, uh, if I could think of a coach who can plan on the run, somebody like a man, a, a Jimmy Johnson or something like that, where this virus figures out what you're doing to try to stop it and then it mutates. Yeah. So now we, we started with COVID-19. Now we're going to Delta. And then uh, I'm hearing things about a Lambda strand or <laughs> whatnot. I mean, if we don't get ahead of it, th- these viruses do what they do for a purpose and, and they spread. And this, this is exactly what the viruses will do. So the longer we keep going on and kidding ourselves, as, as we see, you know, there, there's several Except there's way more varieties of this COVID yeah. than than anybody probably even knows unless you're a doctor or a scientist. But again, if if we keep letting this thing go, it's going to spread and it's going to mutate and it's it's going to get to a point where there isn't a vaccine and there's not something that we can just quickly readily get into our arms and potentially slow down the spread. And then what are we going to do then? And then that's when the point where people who said, oh, "I don't want to get the vaccine." Because understand, the people who are going to the hospitals now, that's the ones who were saying, I'm not getting the vaccine. You know, understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So as, as smart yeah. and, 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 and as much as people want to fight against it, I promise you, the people who are getting it now are the exact ones who were saying, I'm the one who is not going to get it. I'm a healthy male that looks like Dan, and I'm swole with a salmon shirt on, and I won't get 
this That's COVID. like four compliments to what? What's what the love affair with man, Dan? I haven't seen Dan in a while, man. He don't look like that. Come on, man. Well, you know, Ray, you got a gun or two. Yeah. There's a lot of guns in this room, right? Yeah, now. yeah. This is a big, this is a big room here. <laughs> yeah, I get, it. I get you, Mike. I, my, my point, and this is the last point we'll make about it, and we'll move on. Is you know, if you're if you're the NFL, instead of saying we're just going to fire you or cut you, mm-hmm. make it make it difficult, right? Like, make them go through strict protocols, right? Okay, you're not going to be vaccinated. Then we're going to put you through some hellish protocols, and then we'll see. You know, like then then that'll determine the will of that person. You know. If they're willing to go through all these strict protocols to play and be available for their team, then so be it. If not, they'll be like, man, this is a pain in the ass. I don't want to go through these protocols. Okay, I'll, I'll go get the vaccine. You know you know what I mean? Don't fire people. That's all I'm saying. Like, don't cost somebody their job. You know what I mean? But now when, when you think about like, think about it on a school level. In order for most kids to even be able to participate, like in public schools, most schools, they have to be vaccinated from measles, rubella, chicken pox, all that good stuff. Yeah. Um, this is another variant of the same kind of thing where this might be the new normal. We may need to add this to the list of yeah. you cannot participate with the, the public until you receive this vaccine. And again, I would not want to go to a school knowing that there's a whole population of people who don't have the chicken pox uh, vaccine measles rubella I, I, if i knew that there were people in, in there i mean that sounds like um a ward in the hospital when you know that you're dealing with people with all these different kind of viruses that they could potentially pass on to somebody else i wouldn't want to be in that room so you know again we got to think about it you know we we've been doing this for years we've been vaccinating people for years we've been trusting science for years what's the difference now all right we will, we'll, One more we'll, thing about we'll something else. I got to give a quick shout out before we get started, Dan. Okay. Uh, the last time we had Mike on the show, a little over a year ago on the on the Zoom podcast, we talked about New Jack for about an hour, hour and a half. We, yep. we lost <laughs> we lost New Jack a couple of months yeah. ago, man. I just I just want to say rest in peace to Jerome Young, and, and my heart goes to the Jerome Young family. It, which I don't know if both of you know about this, but I think I told Ray. I actually reached out to New Jack and messaged him, right? I tried to surprise you guys and, and get him on the show. Man, are you kidding? He didn't respond in time, right? But I sent him the the podcast, and he replied back with a simple thumbs up. Wow, that says everything right there. Yeah, <laughs> man. All right. The thing, one quick thing. I, I promise, Dan, we're done after this, man. The one thing about New Jack, the reason why so many wrestling fans and people just they the reason why they hated him, in my opinion, is because. See, he New Jack wasn't a bully. He didn't bully people. Okay, if if you if you crossed him, he's the kind of guy that would tell you, "If you don't leave me alone, I'm gonna cut you up." And he would every time. Everybody talks tough, mm-hmm. but they don't act on it most of the time. Yeah. Okay. Because he would cut people, he would warn you first, and he would cut the shit out of you. <laughs> okay, don't mess with people like that. No. Warning comes before destruction. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead, Dan. <laughs> All right. We're going to move on to some, some lighter, funner stuff, right? So, obviously, last week, Hall of Fame induction class, right? So, I just want to go around. I think I told everybody, you know, pick a couple of guys that you're, like, most interested in talking about um, uh, on the class. Um, man, I, I'm slacking. I don't have the full list in front of me. So, Mike, I'll let you go first while I pull up this list of, of all the inductees, but... Uh, 
Give us the guys that uh, were inducted that you kind of want to want to spread or uh, shed some light on. Well, obviously, you know, um, there was a man a plethora of talent that uh, went into the uh, Hall of Fame these past two uh, years, but uh, the, the two that I that really stood out to me, and you know, excuse my bias, uh, but it's uh, Fanica and Hutchinson. I mean, the two uh, offensive linemen. Um, and the funny thing is, you know, playing offensive line, coaching offensive line, um, you offensive linemen never really get their just due. And then for these two guys who, who, who've done it not only in high school on a, on a high level, in college on a ridiculously high level, and then took those skills to the NFL uh, to the point where their peers and, and everyone else say, you know what, this, this is – who I want to represent the NFL, you know, for, uh, until the end of time. I mean, those, those two are two po- perfect picks. I mean, you know, out, out of uh, Michigan, out of LSU, um, those two offensive linemen, and, and we'll get a little bit more into the technicalities of what it takes to play offensive line because it's a lot different, you know, than playing wide receiver, uh, linebacker, anything. Um, but but those two guys stood out to me, and, and I'm, I'm anxious to talk about, you know, what it takes to be – uh, an offensive lineman in the NFL, especially nowadays with the speed and talent that they're putting on defensive line and that linebackers. But those two gentlemen did it at a high level. So, you know, I, I take my hat off to them. Okay. So here, here's a list of uh, the full 2020-2021 uh, draft class, right? So the class of 2020, we got Jimmy Johnson, Cliff Harris, Steve Atwater, uh. Isaac Bruce, uh, Harold Carmichael, Donnie Shell, Steve Hutchinson, Edron James, Bill Cower. Legendary. Which doubled up, right? We got the 20, 2020 and 2021 glass, uh, draft class, which included Drew Pearson, Coach Tom Flores, Peyton Manning, John Lynch, our own Calvin Johnson, Alan Fanica, and the great Charles Woods. What Stan? Okay. Those are all, man, those are. Great names. I, I think it. I, I think like hall of, hall of Fame classes now. I think they're a little more special to guys our age because a lot of guys that we grew up on as youth, yeah, are starting to get inducted, and and people stick up for their youth. You know what I mean? Like, like I'll say Lawrence Taylor is the best player I've ever seen, and then some old guy will say Jim Brown all the time. But Tom Flores is an interesting uh, inductee. I didn't even know that he wasn't in the Hall of Fame. No. Um, two Super Bowl wins, uh, 1980 and 1983. The Oakland Raiders, 1980, and then the L.A. Raiders. Yeah, uh, took over I, for John Madden. Yeah, Marcus had Marcus Allen, Jim Plunkett yep. uh, as his quarterback. First Hispanic coach in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Groundbreaking. It, it just, you know, because a lot of times, like, you know, Hall of Fame is uh, uh, a numbers game, you know, and it should be. And – you would think that two Super Bowl wins as a coach, and and they happen pretty close together. You know, you, you would think that that would be a like a shoe win. Well, yeah, he's or at he, least or at least not forty years later. You get it. Well, in the Hall of Fame. he falls he falls into that category of he's not a first ballot guy, right? But he's going to get in. You yeah. know, yeah. you know, there's first ballot well, guys. Look how like long it's been? Almost a half a century. Charles Woodson, Peyton Manning, th- those guys, first ballot guys, they get in the first year they're eligible. Some sometimes, you know, it's the voting process, and sometimes you have to wait your turn to get in. Yeah, true. Yeah. I agree with Especially that. Especially some of the older generation guys. 
Um, let me see. One of my favorites, Jimmy Johnson. I heard Jimmy Johnson's name. Yep. Absolutely. Um, and, and I'm I'm going to the Miami Hurricanes first. <laughs> um, when he coached the U at that time, that he's the reason why that they've always been my adopted team. Obviously, I'm a Michigan guy, uh, but. I used to love the the two live crew, uh, Luke Skywalker, Miami <laughs> Hurricane connection back then. Yeah, you Some know things I wouldn't admit to. Yeah, <laughs> Jimmy Johnson because he coached guys like you know Michael Irvin, Alvin, like a lot of those Dallas Cowboys played on his uh, yep. Miami Hurricane. Russell Maryland um, was it Warren Sapp after Jimmy after, Johnson. Yeah, he was after. Yeah, yeah. Warren. Yeah, he was like ninety three, ninety four ish. Yeah, but. Uh, Man, and then, and then he's, you know, he, Jimmy Johnson, I think he's only one of few coaches that have won titles in college and, and the pros. at the pros. Uh, yeah. I think Pete Carroll and Barry Switzer, I think, are the only other two. But, yeah, and, and people love playing for Jimmy Johnson, man. And uh, He's a player's coach. Player's coach, yeah. yeah he's a player's coach. Kind of like, kind of reminds me of Chuck Daly, kind of, yeah. in terms of, yeah. uh, I think what him and Chuck Daly have in common is, I think Jimmy basically told, like, uh, Jerome Brown played on his team too. I think, yeah, Jerome Brown. He played at the at the U. He basically had a rule: as long as you guys don't get in trouble, and as long as nothing interferes on what we're doing here, I don't care what you do. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, uh, that's when you when you give lot. when you give people that kind of freedom, and you trust these, and when there's trust involved, you want to play hard for that guy. You know, I mean, I would love for a coach to tell me, I don't care what you do, Ray. You, as long as you show up, practice on time, and you're at the games and you perform, I don't care what you do when you ain't here. I, I like coaches. A lot of coaches aren't like that. But, yeah, congratulations to Jimmy Johnson, too. And Steve Atwater. I mean. Yeah, well, before man. we move on to Steve Atwater, I don't know if you guys knew this, but Jimmy Johnson, um, he just um, got finally got let into the Cowboys' ring of honor. So, like, I think it was a day before, um, no, a couple days before, when the, the first uh, the Hall of Fame game was going on, uh, Jerry Jones was on the, the Fox broadcast, and he came on and broke the news, kind of stole the thunder from the Hall of Fame and said Jimmy Johnson was being allowed into the, uh, the ring of honor, finally. That's, that's huge. Wow. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I mean, he, uh, it's very fitting, but, but that is huge news. I didn't know that. I didn't know that either. Now, on a funnier note, you mentioned Carmichael uh, from the Philadelphia Eagles, a wide receiver. God, he looked like he was like seven foot three. And and the funniest thing is when you watch some of his old <laughs> old films, uh, the Philadelphia Eagles and Washington Redskins. The Redskins had a hard hitting little corner. Uh, his name was Pat Fisher, little guy. He looked like a bookworm. He was real little. Looked like he could have been a character on like Adam West's Batman from like the 1960s. He was like a little bookworm. And you see him <laughs> covering Carmichael. Fisher, Fisher had to have been all five foot eight, five foot nine tops. And and to see the, uh, those battles with him and Carmichael, that, that was pretty cool. Talk about a contrast in styles. Yeah. Kind of looked like Muggsy Bogues Garden Magic Johnson. Okay. <laughs> so you, yeah, Steve, Steve Atwater, man, that guy. <sighs> I remember watching that guy play it, one of the hardest hitting, oh, hard nosed safeties I've ever seen. I think one play that always stands out in my mind is, um, if I'm trying to remember it correctly, him versus Christian Okoye. Yes, that's right. That's yeah. one of the things he's known for. Oh yeah. man, that that those two those two guys <laughs> are like two semis colliding on the highway. 
Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and and honestly, you know, Atwater, you know, back back in those times, guys like him, Ronnie Lott, they they redefined that position, and and they really made it so that you know it, it made it easier for other coaches to say, you know what, this is this is what the position is supposed to look like. This is how I want you to hit people. This is what I want you to do when you're coming downhill. Yeah. I mean, I mean, they they like I said, they really redefined the position as outside yep. hitting safety. Those safeties, they put their body on the line, absolutely, uh, and meet you in the hole, right? Could yeah. be playing linebacker, but they they backed up another five seven yards. And another thing about Steve Atwater, man, and I I know you'll appreciate this. Steve Atwater, he he falls in that category where you, you look at him, he's not a big person, okay? And you know, some people are born. They can throw a baseball 95 miles an hour. That's just something you're born with. Right. A guy that can punch hard, that has just that knockout punch. You're born with that. You can't work on a knockout punch. In football, sometimes a, a, a guy will have a natural ability the way his shoulder pads hit you. It's just different. I can't yeah. describe it. Like Antonio yeah, Johnson different. is a guy I played with in high school. Not a big guy. Looks, matter of fact, skinny and scrawny, but could put his shoulder pads on people, and the click made a different sound. That's, that's what Atwater was like. Right. Yeah. Like, just to, like, see him at a bar back in them days, and, and somebody would say, that's one of the hardest hitters in NFL history. Yeah, right. That little guy. <laughs> but sometimes, you know, it's not, you know, he ain't big like James Harrison or, or Ray Lewis, mm-hmm. but the way his shoulder pads, like DeAdrian Taylor kind of, I would put him kind of like in a, like when DeAdrian Taylor hit that guy from Penn State. He could, that's how Steve Atwater hit, I'm, but I'm he a, did that every Sunday. I'm going to say a name from high school, too, real quick, uh, that reminds me of Atwater. Toma Lightfoot. Toma would, would come downhill <laughs> and, and light people up. He wasn't a big guy. He was, you know, kind of strong, you know, and, you know, physically fit and everything, but he wasn't that big. But it didn't matter if he was 6'4 or 4'4. He would light you up and, and you would remember and you would always try to run away from 43. Yeah. Time out for a second. I'll cut this out. Okay. Now you get mad as hell when I do that. <laughs> okay. Oh. Oh, you didn't do the responsible thing like I did and turn the phone off before the show starts. <laughs> uh, well, I, used my I just didn't put it on an airplane mode. All right. I'll okay. put my headphones on. Okay. So we're, we're covering right now the 2020 class. Well, we, we we can go back and forth. Doesn't matter. Okay. We just want to pick out what guys you uh you want to talk about, Ray. Who's someone you want to talk about? Are we still on the twenty twenty list, or we, it doesn't matter? Because I don't have a list of names in front of me. You had to run the list, run Un- the other list for now. Unprepared. We're, we're going to talk about number two last. We're going to talk about him last. <laughs> number two last. Okay. Uh, well, I mean, well, let's let's stay number with, two or number twenty four, whatever number you want to identify Mr. Woodson with. We're going to talk about him last. Yeah, save the best for last. Yeah, let's let's stay with the the. Let's stay with the safeties then. Talk about, uh, we'll stay kind of old school, getting a little more current. John Lynch, Tampa Bay Bucks, current uh, 49ers GM. Mm-hmm. He, he came from that same kind of line of, uh, you know, hard-hitting yeah. safeties. Not a, you know, kind, you know, kind of a cover guy, but more, more known for his run defense, hard-nosed hitting. Absolutely. First thing I think of when I think of Lynch is, um, and this is back when I watched the NFL all the time. He's the kind of guy that I couldn't stand, but I would loved him if he was on my team. Absolutely. I would have loved it. Like, you know, like Danny Ainge is kind of like, I would have loved to have Lynch on my team. I couldn't stand him watching him. He was, because he was good. 
When I say I don't like somebody, 99% of the time it's because they were really, really great. Yeah. Except for when I'm talking like about the honky-tonk man or Scotty Pippen. Other than that, I when I say I can't stand right. somebody, it's because I respect them. Huh? Honky-tonk man was all right. You ever catch, oh, a, catch a guitar to oh, the head? Oh, my goodness. I'm sorry I brought his name up. <laughs> don't go messing. Oh, no, that's Hillbilly Jim. That's Hillbilly Jim. Okay. <laughs> what do no, you think but, of John Lynch? Man, John Lynch, I mean, honestly, you know, as a coach, you know, when, when you're putting together your game plan, there, there are certain guys that you game plan for. And Lynch put a lot of coaches through fits on Fridays and Saturday nights trying to game plan for exactly what he was going to do because you knew what he was going to do. You know, there were certain routes that you just better not run. You better not run that post because he's going to clean your receiver up. Uh-huh. You know, there, there are certain routes that you just – you might want to consider doing, you know, you better run your outs, your quick slants, but do not run those deep posts towards towards Lynch because he's going to make you pay. Or those deep uh, deep ends, he's going to make you pay because he'll sit there and, and, and honestly, again, watching film, you know, you can read his eyes. He, he's watching that quarterback. He, he's getting into his back pedal. And then once once he sees that quarterback's shoulders turn and lock, he's already breaking. And he's not, he's not even looking for an interception. He's looking for it. He's trying to take your helmet off. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. He was like the last of a dying breed because, like, during that generation, that was, like, uh, around the last time where we played with the man rules still. Right, Dan? Like, man rules? Yep. And these these three safeties we're talking about. Warren Sapp calls it a bang eight. Yeah. Yeah. And these three safeties that we're going to talk about is kind of of progression from old school football to new school because you have Steve Atwater, who was just, like, the, the tank, right? The, oh, those yeah. old school rules, put the body on the line, meet you in the hole, don't care, you know, injuries, head injuries, whatever. John Lynch, you know, the era is a little bit better. It was cleaning up a little bit. And we get into the more modern era with uh, Troy Palomalu. Yeah. Troy Palomalu, this guy's, when you're talking about safeties and favorite players, this guy's like up there on my list. Like, when you're talking about my favorite safeties of all time, you've got Ronnie Lott, uh, Steve Atwater. Guys like uh, Troy Palomalu, Ed Reed, right? Those guys. Mm -hmm. Troy Palomalu was super athletic, full speed, 24-7, right, on the field. Absolutely. Great combination of, like, physical play with athletic speed. Mm -hmm. You know, all those highlights, even jumping over the line, blocking field goals and things like that. That's it, the X factor. Yep. He was just just what that position should be. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and and a lot of things that that he did – like you say, he you, you can't coach certain things. You can't coach heart. You can't coach uh, character. But he he was the kind of guy who just played with a ton of heart, a ton of passion, and would make those plays that you was like, well, now why was he there? You know, it, it's certain guys just know. You know, and I don't know if I and, you know I didn't um, look up and, and uh, research to see if like how much film he watched or whatnot. Uh, so I'm I'm not sure, and I apologize, but. You know, some guys just have that knack for the ball, and and it doesn't matter what the play is and what the or what the coach told you. You know, like you say, when he goes over top and, and blocks some of those kicks and different things, that's just a, a a man saying, "I'm about to take this situation over and make this play for my team." And yeah, that's that's what I always love. And, and probably the greatest set of hair. Oh yeah, greatest I'll, head of hair I'll in the I'll NFL. Just get ready to, <laughs> Sorry just to steal your thunder, Rich. Just get ready to touch that it. head of hair. Probably should have had a, a bust of its own in the in the Hall of Fame. I, I think he, I think he changed the rules because of that. Because I think he was like 
one of the first ones that had that big Diana Ross hair like that. Coming out the and, back, yeah. and when he when he started playing, if somebody grabbed his hair at that time, at first it was a penalty, but then they changed the rules because so many people started coming out with that right. that American Samoa hairdo or all that hair. Now your hair is a part of the jersey. Is that still yeah. a rule? Yeah, yeah. Rick, Ricky Williams was probably the the yeah. most known for that too. Like Ricky Williams, the running back for uh, the cool. the Saints and yeah. the Dolphins. He would get tackled by his hair all the time, yeah. and that's you know it used to be where you couldn't do that, but now it's like the hair is part of your uniform. Well, one time he intercepted a ball, and Larry Johnson, who was a running back for the Chiefs at the time, yeah. hawked him down, grabbed him by his hair, threw him down, and they both slid like way out there, and that almost caused a ruckus. But yeah, man, all that hair—you uh, should have that hair grabbed. Put that in a ponytail or something, or do like Tory Robinson used to do. He used to put uh, roll his hair up in Mickey Mouse ears, yeah. but it would be inside of his helmet, yeah, because he didn't want to get his hair pulled. Well, I mean, you know, you you can't. <laughs> I don't know. You know, point you can't horse collar people anymore, right? You can't grab inside yeah. of the, the the neck of the shoulder pads and drag people down. So why is that not okay? Now that horse okay, collar, a lot of hair. times that that'll cause knee injuries, you know. So I yeah. know, I understand the horse collar thing, the hair thing. I, I mean. I, I guess, you know, like they said, it's an, an extension of the body. So it's, I guess it's just the same as grabbing somebody by their arm and pulling them in and slinging them around like Ray used to tackle people. You know, he didn't like to, you know, hit people straight up. He just grabbed them, <laughs> yeah, he's grabbed right. Grabbed by the arm and ring right around the rosy tackles. But uh, no, the, I'm kidding. Ray the thing about hair. that hair, the thing about the hair, though, is you're at a, a huge disadvantage if you get into a fight with somebody. Like if you're fighting a grown man like Mike with all that hair, you know, if Mike grabs his hair, wherever Mike yanks him, that's where his neck has to go. Absolutely. So if you get into a fight with me with long hair like that, or if you have sandals on, you, you'll lose. Now, that, now, that's not me being a tough guy here, Dan, because I've, I'm not undefeated, okay? But I've, I've won more and I lost. If you got hair like that, or if you have sandals on, you. you will get your ass whooped. Only Ray would make that connection. <laughs> <laughs> I've always had short hair. I'm a short hair guy. All right. So, uh, Mike, you said you want to talk about a couple of the offensive linemen. So, I'll give you a choice. You want to you want to go with the Michigan guy, Steve Hutchinson, or uh, Pittsburgh Steeler great Alan Fanica? Um. Well, honestly, man, we, we we could start a little bit with uh with the Michigan guy. You know, I'll stick with the Big Ten. Um. You know, he was one of the guys. Uh, you know that I looked to when I was uh playing football. You know, and and and, us, and honestly, I, I when I was like a senior and being recruited and different things, I would look at different game day rosters because I wanted to see sizes. You know, how tall is he? How how heavy is he? And compare him to myself or whatnot. And then I would watch and see what they did on 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 uh, on Saturdays. And and Hutch, he 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 was a thinker. You know, and and again, um, coaches, we I like to say, you know, it, it's not it's not checkers, it's chess. You know, because you, you really have to, you know, the first quarter you can't play like the second quarter. Second quarter you can't play like the third and so on. He was one of those guys that would just purely outthink, outplay, and then by that third and fourth quarter he has those defensive linemen so confused where, you know, he just has his way for the rest of the game and could control, just control the offense. And, you know, and he he's a smart guy, you know, and again, that's – you know, uh, one of the common misconceptions, a lot of people think offensive linemen may, you know, have a, be a step behind. But honestly, those offensive linemen and defensive linemen, you know, just, just to say, you got to understand when, when that ball is snapped, linebackers are five yards away. 
DBs, five to seven. Safeties, maybe ten. Offensive line and defensive line, however big the ball is, that's how far they the are The neutral away. zone. They are the neutral that's, zone That's away. all they have blocking them. <laughs> yeah. So it's like once that ball is snapped, it's immediate contact. So your first step has to be perfect. Your first hand placement has to be perfect. The, the, what you're thinking about what this defensive lineman is about to do because they can slant in slots inside, they can slant outside, they can try and slant and pull you so a linebacker can blitz through. There are so many different things that you have to think about in those split seconds. You know, because, again, like I say, once that ball is snapped, you're engaged. You know what I'm saying? you got to get your hands up and be ready to move. So, again, he was a, he was a thinking man's lineman. He, he, he would outthink people. He would out-athleticize them. And then by the fourth quarter, they were all his. Yeah, another another great in a long, long, long oh, list Absolutely. of all pro offensive linemen out of the University of Michigan. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah. And in Michigan, they they produce those offensive linemen. I remember, uh, you know, what Dre would tell me, you know, some of the things Coach Rod would have those guys doing. I, I would I would compare him more to uh, like uh, Hogwarts, you know, where where they have them balancing on uh, medicine, not medicine balls, the uh, yoga balls and yeah. different things like that. So it's like you know you got. Harry Potter training going on here at the University of Michigan. How the heck are we going to compete against that? You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, the things that – and the different concepts that they were working on and the different kind of uh, drills that they were going through was was just, you know, monumental trendsetters. And, and honestly, a lot of that stuff is, you know, uh, permeating the leagues and, and uh, college football today as far as, you know, getting guys into positions to make certain plays and, and, and reading defenses. Offensive and defensive linemen, um, like Mike said earlier, how they don't don't get a lot of credit a lot in the team success. Yeah. Um, now, I played in high school. Okay, I played on a, a good football team. I played both sides of the line in high school. And another misconception about the O-line and the D-line is that these guys aren't good athletes, and that couldn't be more false. Uh-uh. A good offensive lineman and a good defensive lineman are great athletes, and those are some of the toughest guys in the world. Now, I'm going to end that on this. You know, five, six, or seven years ago, you know, you would hear the question. I hate it when people ask this question. It's the worst question you could ever ask in any sports forum. When people say it was the year that the Cleveland Browns went 0-16. Yeah. That was pretty recent, right? Yeah, a few years ago. Okay. I hate it when people ask, well, who would win if Alabama, who just, you know, went (laughs) 13-0, who would win if Alabama played Cleveland Browns tomorrow? Listen, listen. That, that's an easy question to answer. Absolutely. Cleveland would blow them out because yep. the difference in the line play mm-hmm. from uh, NFL offensive and defensive yeah. linemen as opposed to college, and, the, and, and Alabama always has all-American linemen, mm-hmm. the difference in the line play would be so unfair. That game would get out of hand before it gets started. Absolutely. That's my opinion. Yeah, no absolutely. college team, I don't care if, if they're on a 365-game winning streak. I don't care. They will never beat any NFL football team yep, because that, of the line play. That question came up last year too. Like, people do that every year. Like last Why year, do people was like, ask that. If you if the Jaguars played Alabama, oh my god, would Emma, could Alabama beat Jack, the Jacksonville? And and <laughs> everybody says no. Okay, Jacksonville is a bad NFL team, but it's still the NFL, right? Yeah, it's still, exactly. <laughs> not every guy on the Alabama squad. Well, almost not every guy right. on the Alabama squad is going to make the NFL. Sure. Right? Yeah. 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 A lot of games are, are won in the trenches. And, yes. And, again, you know, uh, uh, people, you know, you you see the quarterbacks, you see the running backs because that's where the camera shot goes. You yeah. Know? And that's that's where your tickers are sold. But if, if you – like when um, when you're watching film, 
you know, and preparing for those teams and you got the tight end zone copy and you watch those offensive linemen and defensive linemen and what they're doing and what they have to go through to get off blocks, to make blocks, to get two blocks, to reach block, to down block, to pull. I mean, it's, 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 it's a war. It's a war in there. And whichever line as a, as a unit comes up and, and does and executes the most, that's, that's who's going to win the game. Yeah. That, the games are won on the e- line. Even though that's you would the, say probably – I don't know if you guys would agree, but like offensive line, probably one of the easiest transitions to the NFL. Like one of those positions where you got like offensive linemen, maybe running backs, maybe wide receivers. The the transition from college to the NFL is the easiest for those positions. Um, I don't, I don't oppo- know about this. compared to other positions. But see, and that's the thing because offense the the playbooks for linemen are thick. I mean, these are like thicker than Bibles sometimes and because there's so many different situations that they have to prepare for because you have different blitzes when you have a blitz from a backer or a safety or, or that center is usually the one that's making that call, you know, to alert the offensive line. And, and there's different, all different kind of blocks that they do, especially in pass pro where we're fan blocking, where we're slide protecting, um, where we're uh, pinching down to make sure we contain the middle so if it's a quick pass or different things. But there are so many different things. And then with uh, college, college uh, sports, with you know, and the way that the college offensive line is taught is very uh, narrow because it's specific to, you know, that one college coach's uh, expertise or whatnot. But when you go to the NFL, you have to prepare for all <laughs> those different kind of yeah. expertise or whatnot. So it's not that easy of a transition, and that's why, you know, you'll see that lineman that excelled at Oregon or Washington or, or you know, wherever they came from, you know, they were just about to be the next great thing. But when they get that NFL playbook, you know, if they don't if they don't have it all upstairs and, you know, can ingest all that and be able to, you know, produce it on the field, then they, they'll, they'll be the right uh, bust down to a mediocre lineman. Okay, real quick, quick shout-out. At any level, high school, semi-pro, college, any football game you ever played, give a quick shout-out. Who's the best offensive lineman you ever played against? Offensive lineman? Or def- uh, lineman, period. Offense or defense. Who's the, oh, you fir- play, the you first play, guy that comes to your mind that, like, that was played, a bad guy I played against? He you played O-line, bad boy. right, Mike? I played O-line, D-line in, in high school. I was all-state on both sides of the ball in yeah. high school, all-American. Yep. Um, but when I went to college, I played D-line uh, exclusively. Okay. Um. And in high school, honestly, and this ain't just talking junk or whatnot, but never really faced too much competition. Um, honestly, I was at, when I on defensive line. Ever since probably my sophomore year, I was double or triple teamed. When it came to my senior year, I was double, triple, quadruple teamed, and I, I've never experienced, you know, from like my junior year on, a single one on one block. When I got to college, it was a little different because you know I'm the new guy coming in, so. You know, of course, they're going to think they're, especially in practice, they're going to think their linemen can handle me one-on-one, this, that, and the other. And I was lucky enough to come in, and we had a center named Greg Engel. Uh, he was like second team, all Big Ten, this, that, and the other. And I came in as nose guard. I was the only defensive lineman taken that year. And me and, and Greg went at it day in and day out. I ended up winning uh, defensive scout team player of the year. And, you know, this is with – guys who have been there who haven't quite made the jump to be able to play on Saturdays, you know, so upperclassmen, I beat them out my true freshman year. 
after that, Engel came, you know, like after the season, it was Engel's last year, he came to me. He was like, man, you probably one of the best defensive linemen I ever faced. And he was probably one of the best offensive linemen I've ever faced. So, for me, it would have to be Greg Engel's center from uh, Illinois. Okay, that's okay. a good one. Now, Randy Scott pancaked him a few times. He left that out. No. <laughs> <laughs> you know I, I mean, Rand, on, Randy was my guy, you know. But, I like that. Uh, no, and and we, we both made each other better. So, you know, Randy Scott, no 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 uh, slouch on him. But, um, you know, that that was, and, and not even saying this in a bad way, but that was little bro. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. So, yeah, when we was in practice, I, I would do Randy a little bad or whatnot. But, man, I love that dude to death. He loved me. We, everybody you know, loves so. Randy. He'll get a I kick know, out of this little I know. Here. I know I wouldn't want to line up against 20-year-old Mike Fordham. No way. Uh, no. Not that, 15-year-old Mike Fordham. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. He looked like this when he was 15. Yeah. I and mean, he, he ran like bigger. a 4840. Yeah. 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 And, and I'm, I'm not one of those to ever blow my own horn or whatnot, but – High school football for me, I, I really understand. Remember when uh, Jordan did the uh, the, the uh, interview and he said the hoop seemed like it was this big? Yeah. Man, ever since my sophomore year year in uh, football, that's how it felt on the field. It was just like, this is my oyster. You know, I, I can do what I want to. I, I remember the only time that I remember being taken off my feet in my high school career was by Robert Smith, <laughs> and it was after the whistle. And and you could get him on here, and and we'll we'll play the footage. But it was after the whistle. He came over. I was looking at the pile. Cardinals saying you're never supposed to stand over the pile after the whistle was blown. Right. And he came in and cleaned my clock. I looked yeah. up at him, and we both just started cracking up <laughs> laughing. All right. You know. You know what? Before we move on, you know what's funny about these draft or these uh, Hall of Fame classes nowadays? It's like it's a cool thing, but yet it also makes me makes me feel old as fuck. Is that? <laughs> Dan, you are old as fuck. Right. <laughs> I mean, think you're old. All these players, like, I watched their entire career, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Watched them come out of college. Right. Watched them in college. Watched their entire career, and now they're going into, not just retired, now they're in the Hall of Fame. Like, right. God damn, I'm old. <laughs> well, well, how about this? How about this? Like, we're almost, pe- like, if you think of all the great athletes we saw in the 80s, now we've mm-hmm. seen a lot of their sons play. Right. But we're to the point now where... Our heroes from the 80s, their grandsons are being recruited by major universities. <laughs> grandsons. I know. And a lot of times, sometimes when I talk sports, you know how sometimes you got to say, man, what year was that? Mm-hmm. We got We don't even do years anymore. We got to think about what decade was that? Yeah. And was that the 80s or not? What? You got to think of the decade now. Yeah. We're yep. beyond the years. We're in the decades now. Like, like Mark Ingram, you know, Mark Ingram Jr., Mark Ingram Sr. You know, it's. Yeah. It's, and, and then hey, Mark has some sons too now. Hey, That's <laughs> be, what I'm saying. The saying they're grandsons <laughs> now. Yeah, yeah. All right, next guy we want to get into. Uh, we're we're going to save Charles Woodson for last, but I want, I want to talk about one guy, but I can't talk about him without bringing up this first guy t- uh, uh, first. But our own Detroit Lion, Calvin Johnson, made it into the Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. What, do you, what do you guys think about Charles or Calvin Johnson, his career? Go ahead, Mike. Oh, my goodness. Um, to sum it up in a word, it would be his namesake. It would be Mega. I mean, just, just, I mean, prototype. If, if, if I was a coach and I was starting my offense and that's who you said what could be a potential wide receiver of mine, man, hand down, hands down. I'm, I'm picking Megatron every single time. I mean, he dominated corners uh, and, and safeties. You know, you, you have those hard hitting safeties that want to come over the top and this, that, and the other. They thought twice when Megatron was going to get the ball. 
I mean, and, and then in the end zone, his whole mentality was switched, and, and you would see the athlete, you know, guys, you know, jumping up 10, 11 feet to get balls, jumping up in between two and three people to get balls. No, no, no respect for his own body or safety, but, you know, just going up and making plays, you know. So, I mean, man, hats off to Megatron, man, one of the greatest to ever do it. No, no one could match him. He could go up and get the ball like no other. Him and him and Randy Moss, yep, right? Like the, that's the elite class, right? You, you, it's there's no, comparison. there's no safety or corner that's out jumping those two guys in the end zone or anywhere else on the field to get the ball. I mean, the, 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 those guys had wingspans of like ten feet, yeah. right? Like their catch radius was yeah. the, the largest in NFL history, right? Just ridiculous. Yeah. And I, I used to think my hands were big, and I do have some big hands. But Megatron's hands were huge and soft. So when that ball came, it, it, he was going to lock it in, you know, and, and it was just that, that kind of physical structure. You know, he was built for that position. Yeah. Yeah. A career cut short, right? Too, oh, cut too short. Definitely. You know, it's, it's sad that as Lions fans, we got to suffer not through not one, but two yeah. players' careers <laughs> yes. where they could have been undoubtedly the greatest yeah. – at that position, mm-hmm. but the team caused them to cut their career short. Three, th- uh, three players whose career got cut. Billy Sims didn't play that long. He yeah, would have been that is true. You know, on that, you know, um, OJ Simpson level. Um, maybe Barry, but yeah, Billy Barry and Calvin Johnson. Now, uh, where I stand on Calvin Johnson, now you, you, you know, Dan, like probably the last. Uh, I say 12 or 13 years. I haven't been a big proponent of the NFL, but I was watching Stafford and, and Johnson, man. That was like the most exciting one-two punch I've ever seen. I, I enjoyed watching them more than Montana and Rice. The things that Calvin Johnson can do, you know, you, you can't help but wonder, man, are we ever going to see this from anybody again? This is unbelievable. I can't believe I'm watching this. I, I just kind of wish that, man, I wish the Lions could have got over the hump and made a deep playoff run with both of those guys. Yeah. Because that was a uh, – uh, that was like we were kind of spoiled back then uh, as being fans in the state of Michigan. If you're if you're a Sparty guy, you know you had your teams going to the Final Four. Michigan tasted a couple Final Fours. You had Miguel Cabrera winning the Triple Crown. Uh, John, Calvin Johnson and um, and Matt Stafford. We were just we were spoiled, man. It was uh, I took that for granted. I, I took Calvin Johnson for granted. He really was, uh, and that was a really good comparison to Randy Moss. I'm glad you said that because. Yeah. Uh, um, another thing that uh, stuck out when he was playing at Georgia Tech, I was watching a, a college game, and and Calvin Johnson really wasn't Calvin Johnson yet. No, but um, you know he is. You think about how big he was and how tall he is. You know he didn't even play high school basketball. He was he didn't play high school basketball. Really? I didn't yeah, know. just a weird fact. Yeah, didn't yeah, play I high think, school basketball. I think if I remember correctly, I think his other sport was uh, baseball. I think he played baseball. Really. I know he played another sport, and I'm correct. I, I might be wrong, but I, I think I just heard this a couple of weeks ago that, you know, before the Hall of Fame, I think it was his other sport. He played baseball. I'm kidding. That's cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it, not often you hear this, but you always hear about like quarterbacks who make their receivers better. Right? Yeah. Right. Right. Calvin Johnson was one of those players. He was a receiver that made his quarterback better. Oh, yeah. Matthew Stafford, uh, admittedly, self admittedly said, I became a better quarterback after Calvin Johnson left. Because I knew that I could just throw the ball out there, yep. and Calvin would go get it. I didn't have to be accurate. I could just heave it down the field, and he'd go up over everybody and get it. He self-admittedly said, 
I became a better quarterback. I had to be a better quarterback after Calvin left because I didn't have that safety blanket. Mm. <laughs> that, Fair that point. makes sense. Yeah. That absolutely makes sense. I mean, he, he, he makes the whole team better. And because, again, it, it's that X factor where, you know, uh, that safety blanket, like, like Ray saying, being spoiled. And, you know, just to know that there is somebody and every coach, you know, looks for that every fall. Who is the guy? <laughs> that I know I can go to whatever, whether it's a running back, a man, a, a wide receiver, tight end. Every coach every fall would love yeah. loves to see that kind of guy in camp. Yeah, Calvin Johnson. I'm just going to spit out a couple stats here about Calvin Johnson. Uh, career 731 receptions, 11,619 yards, 83 TDs, um, 86.1 yards per game. That's second all time to Julio Jones. Um, single season receiving record with 1,964 yards. And uh, he has the second highest single game yards total, 329 yards. Hell. Yeah. And, uh, and, and again, you know, a lot of times when, uh, when you hear stats like that, people say those are our Madden stats. You know yeah. how you play the video game? <laughs> and only played nine seasons, by the way. <laughs> See, th- those are Madden stats. <laughs> Nine seasons. Yeah. And he had one of the best nicknames of all time, oh, too, yeah. because the, the name Megatron, mm-hmm. everybody can relate to that. If you're a kid, you know, yeah. kind of sounds like superhero-ish. Now, guys like us, you know, it kind of sounds like Voltron or Transformers, Transformers yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. So that's a, that's one yeah. of the better nicknames mm-hmm. in Roy, any sport. Roy Williams gave him that name his rookie year. Did he really? Yeah. Didn't know that. You remember Roy Williams? Number, yeah, hook him horns. Yeah. 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 Gave, him that, 11, gave him that nickname. What do you wear, number 11? Number 11, yeah. 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 Oh, that's awesome. Unstoppable. Couldn't never he couldn't kill the guy. I think they called him didn't they call him Roy L. Williams? He had to use an initial because the other guy, horse collar guy, they called it that was Roy Williams. And then our guy we called uh Right. <laughs> Roy L or something. <laughs> now now we talk about Calvin Johnson, his nine season career. And whenever when t- people talk about receivers, Calvin Johnson usually gets brought up pretty fast in receivers. Eleven thousand 619 yards. This next guy that got into the Hall of Fame, you look at his numbers, you think like, well, why why aren't more people talking about this guy? And that's Isaac Bruce, right? <laughs> Isaac Bruce uh, played over a decade. Were they with the Rams then? St. Louis? Yeah, he yeah. won a Super Bowl with the St. Louis Rams. 14 seasons, 14, 15 seasons. Uh 1,024 career receptions, 15,208 career yards, 91 TDs. And he, he had a Kurt Warner as his quarterback, too. Yep. Uh, yeah, part of the greatest show on turf. Absolutely. Yep. yep. Yeah. Kurt Warner, Isaac Bruce, Isaac Keem. Yeah. Um, I'm forgetting the other receiver's name. Marshall Falk. Yeah, absolutely. They, they put me in the mind of uh, back when uh, Denver used to have the three amigos. Mm-hmm. That that that, <laughs> yeah. that that team there, it's like who who do you check? You can't double anybody, <laughs> so you either better sit in the zone all day and just you know try and keep them in front of you and make tackles. But yeah. if you go going man to man, hey, let's go make sure you got the highlight film ready. <laughs> yeah, I, I think Isaac Bruce. Um, to answer your question about he might not get the credit he deserves, mm-hmm. I, I think that uh, I think he'll be more appreciated maybe 20 or 25 years from now because now he's yeah. – he's the, the way we do things today, and I'm guilty of it too, the way we do things today is 
these young guys that are successful because because we're old heads. We always think our guys from well back in my day. You know, we always think that they're better than the young kids today. Okay, um, I think Isaac Bruce will be. He'll be mentioned like like Chris Carter, Steve Largent. I would say probably twenty years from now, he'll he'll get more respect from his peers. He should be respected now, though, like you said, with those numbers. But yeah. you know, it's you know, like I said earlier, people stick up for their generations. You know, if I had to compare him to, as I just mentioned, Chris Carter, Steve Largent, or Jerry Rice, come on, man, I'm taking my guys yeah. every time. Yeah, yeah, he's one of that those. That doesn't mean that they're better. That's just who I'm taking. He's one of those receivers that. Never gets enough credit. Mm-hmm. Like, he's not that top-tier names that everybody brings up. You know, the Jerry Rice, the, the Chris Carter, the you know, Randy Moss, Calvin Johnson, Julio Jones, those kinds of guys. But he, but when you look at his numbers and what he did, you're like, damn, why why are we not talking about this guy more often? Why why isn't this guy more spoke of in the upper echelon wide receivers all the time? Yeah, yeah. And, I, and I think a lot has to do with it as far as, like, um, with with Jerry Rice, you know, a lot of times people struggle to figure out who was the other other wide receiver. John you know Taylor. what I'm saying? I mean, but you know, and Steve Largent, you know, well, we know our own Daryl Turner. Daryl Turner, Flint Southwestern, his, yeah. his other wide receiver. But you know, went with Isaac Bruce and and having such a strong supporting cast. Every it seems like a lot of their successes were lumped together. You know, but if he was like on a team where he was like the man, where. Uh, I hate to say, but like our Lions with Megatron, you know, we, we have a supporting cast, you know, but to have just him as the man without those other two wide receivers where, you know, he had to be the only receiver out there that's getting all the attention, he might have got a little bit more notoriety or whatnot, but, you know, with he had to share the ball, like you say, with the Marshall Falks and the Kurt Warners, and, you know, Kurt Warner had his own story coming from, uh, the CFL or whatnot, and then Marshall Falk had his own story, and then it, different you know guys had their stories, and then they put it together and won a Super Bowl. So I think you know his story is just getting lost in the bigger picture. Tory Holt was the other Tory receiver Holt. I couldn't oh, think of. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he he he's he's in that class of guys like Marvin Harrison and a name yeah. Yeah. that Ray brought up, Steve Largent, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Guys you don't really think of right away, but they they were great yeah, receivers. Love to have them on the team, absolutely. Yeah. Nice Daryl Turner reference, oh, Mike. That was a good one. You got to uh, let's. How about the applause meter for that, Daryl Turner? <laughs> Appreciate that. And, and honestly, Daryl Daryl was uh, like my god brother. He used to uh, babysit me. Well, I, I, he was supposed to babysit me, but you know he would basically make me uh, go to take a nap on the couch while him and his boys and uh, like his brother Philip, and then we'll go out to the. Uh, big grassy area in front of the house and play uh, what we call uh, pom-pom or whatnot. Pom-pom, yeah. Yeah, so I I, I was uh, in there sleeping on the couch while he was out in the field brushing up on his uh, football skills. <laughs> you know what pom-pom is? You know what he's talking about? Yeah, I know what pom-pom is. Pom-pom, that's like a, like, girl, like I grew up in a primarily white neighborhood. We call it smear the queer is what we called it. The brothers in the hood call it pom-pom. <laughs> yeah, you throw the ball up in the air. Yeah. You know, bad, we called it smear the queer. We, it. Yeah, we called it smear the queer is what we called it. Well, I, I didn't know if that was, you know. Well, I, I, okay, hold, yeah, so to be fair, I'm, this is not a, no, no, no. We can't use that word anymore. I, yeah, I, I didn't mean it that way. I, I'm not homophobic. We're only referencing it in an old okay, school term. That's right? just, I didn't come up with the name. I didn't name it that. That's just right. what it was called. Yeah. And, you know, yeah, go ahead. Proceed. <laughs> yeah, but like I said, that, that it, it was some awesome times back then. I, I was lucky enough again, you know, with uh, Daryl. You know, I met 
you know, Carl Banks, Lonnie Ingram, um, Lonnie, Lonnie, Lonnie Young, you know, Lonnie Ingram, Young. Um, you know, all those guys back then who were, you know, Michigan State. Uh, then eventually going on to the Giants and different yep. things. So I, I, you know, I was uh, lucky in that aspect to, you know, be, you know, in the family or whatnot. Yep, absolutely. Okay, the other big name coach on on these lists, big Bill Cowher, Pittsburgh Steelers great coach Bill Cowher. Go ahead, Mike. Yeah, legendary. I mean, defensively sound. I mean, if 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 you weren't going to play defense and play it the right way in his scheme, and and a lot of times, you know, you would see. Where you know certain players would would come, you know, oh, he has this great player, but then eventually they had to exit because you know they just didn't fit in his scheme. But every year in and year out, he would continuously pr- produce sound defenses, offenses that you know controlled the game, and and it was a whole philosophy with him. You know that that was his coaching style: game control and winning on defense. So I mean, he legendary at, at his like game preparation with his coaches. The way that they would, you know, attack the film and and just put together and and figure out, you know, okay, are are we going to shut down the run? Or are we going to shut down the pass? Are we going to shut down this player or what? But they they meticulously put together their game plans and you know to get out there and, and execute the way that they did. That he he was definitely one of the best to do it. Yeah, that t- that team that coaches have Bill Cowher, Dick LeBeau. Oh my goodness! Oh, oh man. Those the, made some of the greatest defenses in in history. Those Steeler defenses made were hard. Uh, I think uh, Cower would have been another guy. Would have been fun to play for. Made the game fun for everybody. Very competitive. I always wondered this though. When he retired from Pittsburgh, he never coached again. I know. I was just about to yeah. say that he, he stole. And the he was out of he was mind. throwing. They were throwing money at him. I, how could somebody with that mind and that passion? I mean, I respect the fact that when he said, "I'm done, I'm done," but man. So we might have. There might have been a couple Super Bowls we didn't see Bill Cowher I, win. I was always disappointed that Bill Cowher didn't come back to coaching and coach another yeah, team. Yeah, he wasn't that old when he retired. That, that was that was uh, that was kind of like expected amongst like Steelers, like like Bradshaw. You know what I'm saying? You you once you're a Steeler, you, you're a Steeler. Yeah. Mean, mean Joe Green. You you, you yep. know you, it's hard to associate some of those great Steelers with anything other than being a Steeler. Well, I think I think what happens is some of those coaches. I think and I. Correct is anyone can correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe there was a couple of years there where the Giants were. I mean, he was real close to coaching the Giants. I think either after Tom Coughlin, after Tom Coughlin left, they were trying to get him out of the booth. But some of those coaches, man, they go through that rigorous schedule, and I and I'm 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 going to assume that it depends on your family life, right? Oh, like absolutely. Coaches like Bill Cowher, Tony Dungy, mm-hmm. right? Great coaches, but never get back into coaching because they got that cushy network job. Pays pays good money. You don't have to travel. You don't have, to have all that stress and stuff like that. And it's easier on family life. You can stay in one place. So maybe maybe that was the factor why he never got back in school. That's that's an interesting point to bring up. You know the family aspect of it, and you know and and my, my hats off to you know like a lot of the women and and, and children that have to go uh, through that that rigorous kind of football schedule. You know especially you know when a lot of people think uh, football is you know you see it on TV and. You know August and September, but what you don't see is the the February workouts, the Jan, the, the March, the Aprils, the Mays. You know before you know preseason yeah. starts and and the time that it takes away from the kids, the wives, and different things. So again, hats off because and 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 honestly, a lot of those those um, wives and kids they they buy into it and they, they you know they get to the point where they understand and then they're 
that's that's them. They're they're a football family. So I mean, you know, hats off to those who can, who can do it. Yeah, good point. That's that's a great point. Yeah, some of the, some right. of my, some of my the the things I remember about Bill Cower, Bill Cower, uh, um, man, his name just left me. Old Bucks coach, Raiders coach, John Gruden, right? Mm-hmm. Bill Cower, John Gruden, and even uh, you know we'll go way back, Hank Stram, right? Those wow. guys that like get in wow. your face. Get the right? Applause for yourself. <laughs> Damn, Hank Stram. Like, like the highlights of them are them on the sideline with those faces, those mean faces, yes. like pissed off, yelling at players, yes. like yeah. "God damn, do your job," blah blah blah. Yeah. But probably some of the best coaches to play for. But don't you piss them off? Don't you? Oh, don't, exactly. don't you yeah. mess up because they're gonna get in your face and they're gonna let yeah. you know about it. And, but the thing about that is, I, I had a coach tell me. Uh, one time that he said, uh, it's when I stop speaking or yelling at you that you should worry. So if a coach is passionate enough to get in, in your face and let you know why what you did wrong and how you need to do it correctly and, and this, that, and the other, that coach loves you. He he wants you to be successful. But I'm telling you, when that coach, when you mess up and he just looks at you and give you that look, don't say nothing unless you just go ahead and walk to the sideline. Oh, my God. I got to put somebody on blast here. He just reminded me of something. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm not really friends with this guy anyway. I don't give a shit what he thinks. Uh, do you know who Joe Lakota is? Yeah. Okay. To add to his point, look, God, look, Joe was a cop. God bless his heart. Great family. Grew up in East Village. Everybody loves Joe. Didn't he go to Powers or something? No, he went to Central. Yeah, that is right. Yeah. Yeah, um, I only know that because I played with him. But Mr. <laughs> oh Mr. You Finger one time uh, during double days, and and Joe was like a second year player at this time. It ain't like he was green and was like you know a Joe, rookie or anything. Yeah. He was a second year player at this time. Them hot August practices, <laughs> Mr. You Finger, you know, was just looking at Joe and just doing this. And he just all he said, well, he didn't yell, didn't scream. He told Joe, he said, Joe. Don't do this anymore. He said, you don't want me to cut on that play? He said, no, any of it. Don't do this anymore. <laughs> Just don't play football anymore. He, his words were, don't do this anymore. That's the, I, that's the funniest thing we've ever heard. He told, so we knew what he meant by that. He told Joe Lakota, don't do this anymore. <laughs> He's like Simon Cowell. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Joe. I mean, it's true. I'm sorry. You know, that happened. People can verify that. That's but like he said, when coaches stop talking to you or don't really want anything to do, that's how they tune you out. He yeah, told Joe Lakota, just he just said he didn't yell it. He said, "Joe, don't do this anymore." Yeah. And that, that's the thing. A lot, oh a lot God. of mothers get upset. You know, why is he yelling at my son? He's still coaching. <laughs> he, he's still talking to him. And he, we do, we do have to him. thank Coach Bill Cower for one thing, right? The only NFL coach to ever bring a Super Bowl win to Detroit. Huh? The Steelers won the Super Bowl in Detroit against oh, the Seahawks. Oh, yeah. Damn. That's right. He sure, yeah, they did beat the Seahawks. Sean Alexander. Like, what yep. did I miss? The only Super Bowl victory I, I, we've, we've ever saying. seen in Detroit. I was thinking, like, damn, was Cower even born in 1955? <laughs> right. That's what I was thinking. That was just an NFL championship. Now, let me, let me ask you this now. Now, we talked about how he didn't come back into coaching after he retired. Mm-hmm. Now, Here's what I'm interested in. Now, I know you don't know the exact figure, but I just want to know, like, what was, like, a ballpark figure? What, what were the Giants offering him? Because money talks. You know, look, we all love our families, and like he said, you know, you, you marry into a football family. 
And if you say, you know, I'm retired, I want to be with my family, that's fine. But but if if Mike is getting offered uh $115 million for six years to coach the Minnesota Vikings, Mike's probably going to think about it. <laughs> yeah, and a lot of times those those coaches were, were looking for those those sweetheart deals where, you know, you, you get, you know, a part of ownership or, you know, yeah. you, you know yeah. just yep. the, the, the extra perks to it. So, sure. and, and again, you know, I'm not, not sure of the, the details of it, but yeah, I'm sure a lot has to do with, you know, the, the extras and not just the money that, that was uh, going to be thrown at them. Because you know, at, at that point, you know, a lot, well, everybody has money, you know, and yeah. you know, and and as after you coach in ten or twelve seasons, you pretty much at the residence that you want to be in and neighborhood you want to be in. So you know, a couple extra dollars in the bank, you know, you can go either way. You know, as, as far as you know, your family sanity and and being able to be at home on Sunday with your with your sons as they're growing up and then being able to attend their high school football games or your daughter's volleyball games or track meets or whatnot, you know, as as opposed to traveling on Friday night, you know, going to a different city every week. Now you can stay at home and, and you know, and be that that parent. So, you know, again, when you when you you know put that on the scales you know, it kinda makes things kinda even out and then a lot of times, you know, certain gentlemen will Lean towards the the family aspect. Yeah, it was t- it was 2017 when the New York Giants really reached, that recent reached out to uh, Bill Cowher for for coaching. Wow. Um, he said, you know, there's some quotes here. He said, "Not it, it, no, it's not even about a team. It's about lifestyle, right? Coaching is always going to be a great challenge, building a dynamic. I had the best job in football. And he talks about the transition from from football to the next phase uh, phase of life." Um, you know, being very comfortable and he loved having a platform to talk about the game of football instead of, so it probably had to do with lifestyle, okay. family, you know, good going through that grind. Yeah. Well, good for him. We wish him the best. Absolutely. One of the best to do it. Yeah. All right. I guess. Oh, well, now, since we made that mention, don't we have to mention, uh, what is our Woodley going? Saginaw High? Arthur Hill? Oh, Lamar Woodley? Yeah. Yeah. Woodley. Yeah. Did, yeah. He played for Coward, didn't he? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I believe so. I we believe gotta, you played for Coward. Got to make that mention on the okay. air. Okay, well, that's, that's well, we got to mention Valley. Courtney Hawkins. Courtney Hawkins <laughs> played at, at Pittsburgh <laughs> yeah, for Coward. Yeah. Courtney Hawkins, yeah, flip yeah. guy, and now currently coaching for the Spartans. So yeah, hats yep. off to Courtney. Yep, hats off to Courtney. Yeah, yeah. No applause for that one. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's for Courtney. Now for the school. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're, we're going to get into the the best for last ones now. Okay. Um, Ray's not a big fan of this guy, but I am. He's, yeah. he's up there on my list of not only the best players in the NFL, but best quarterbacks in the NFL. Uh, mm-hmm. See, uh, I forgot who you're talking about. <laughs> I know what you're talking about. Go ahead, Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning, one of the, one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. Peyton Manning, seventy one thousand nine hundred four career yards, nine hundred forty career yards. Excuse me, that's third all time. 539 passing TDs, third all-time. Uh, 55 passing t- touchdowns in a single season. That's a record. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, you'd probably put him up there as his number state, top three quarterback of all time. And, and when you meet, mention Peyton, you, you can't help but go back and, and talk about Pops, you know, Archie. You know, I mean – the the just the legendary things that he he did and then and you got to think when growing up and and this is your dad man Peyton Manning even though 
he put up several yards in college, several yards in the pros. Man, he he put up several yards in the backyard too. You know, we just getting that tutelage from dad. Man, throwing route probably probably had Eli running routes and different things. Cooper uh, and all. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, so I mean, he was he was destined to be an excellent NFL quarterback. Now, the icing on the cake is the the uh, accolades and, and receiving the Hall of Fame nod or whatnot. But I mean, just to have a legendary person in the backyard with you every day that is priceless you know you parents will call coaches to come work with their kids over the summer you know pay them a hundred bucks this that and the other there there's not a price that you can pay to be coached by you know somebody like uh, Mr. Manning who you know got Eli Peyton I mean you know got Hooper his uh interviewing skills and different things so I mean hey Hats off to, to the whole Manning family. Yeah, what a Manning, what a what a family tree that is, right? What you know, Archie Manning, Peyton Manning, Eli Manning, all NFL greats, mm-hmm. Super Bowl winners. Absolutely. Poor Cooper, man. Poor Cooper. <laughs> Archie Archie Manning <laughs> was not a show. Super Bowl winner. He didn't win a Super Bowl. I thought he won no. a Super Bowl with the Saints. No. no. Archie Manning is known for, and I've heard this on NFL films. It's not me saying this. Archie Manning is known as being the the best loser of all time. Loser meaning like losing record. Yeah. He didn't win a lot of games, right. but he was so beloved by everybody. Everybody loved him. And he's the best loser. He didn't come close to winning a Super Bowl <laughs> at all. Okay. So, I stand corrected. Yeah. Yeah. Peyton Manning, two Super Bowl rings. Could have been, could have been four if it wasn't for an untimely pick. And then one of the best stingiest defenses we've, we've probably oh, ever yeah. seen in the Seahawks, but. Yeah, great, great quarterback. Now, I'm going to play this clip. It's a clip from his Hall of Fame speech. Peyton Manning, known for his accolades on the field, but also known for his comedic presence off the field, right, with his commercials and in, SNL skits. In I, your I, humble opinion. Yeah. yeah, in my humble opinion. <laughs> but it, it, this is a great moment from his Hall of Fame speech. I'm going to play this. We'll listen to it, and we can react afterward. I think. Hold on, technical difficulties. Hold on. Yeah, that's that was a talented football family. So. This guy loves Peyton Manning. I got a few things, a few choice words when uh, it's time. Hold on here. Why isn't this playing? He played. Hold on. Well, I guess I don't the have it. The 2021 induction class wants to thank those previous inductees who gave long-winded acceptance speeches, forcing us to have a whopping six minutes to recap our football careers. <laughs> I want to give a special thanks to my old rival, Ray Lewis, for being here tonight. Ray just finished giving his speech that he started in 2018. Next year, acceptance speeches will probably shrink to four minutes. And speaking of rivals, my good friend Tom Brady is here tonight. By the time he is inducted... They're booing. They're booing Tom Brady, yeah. <laughs> Consider the city. <laughs> he gets that LeBron James and Floyd Mayweather Jr. treatment. So everybody hates him. By the, by the time Tom Brady is inducted in his first year of eligibility in the year 2035... <laughs> He'll only have time to post his acceptance speech on his Instagram account. <laughs> Peyton Manning being funny, like always, you know. 
I remember the set when he was on Saturday Night Live, that backyard football scene with all the kids. <laughs> he was like throwing in their face and yelling and screaming at him. Peyton Manning's a funny guy. Yeah, funny guy, classy but funny guy. They they all have good chops. How uh, how funny was he when uh, he had to watch Charles Woodson accept that Heisman Trophy? You see how he was frowning and crying like he couldn't believe it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, I don't know how the Heisman voting goes now, but I, back then, which was ni- 1997. They went by regions. There was like six. To, only one region voted for Manning. But uh, um, as as great as Peyton, Peyton Manning was in college, Charles Woodson was by far the better college player. You can't, well, tell Peyton Manning that. See what he says. <laughs> we'll, we'll have to suffer through that southern accent again. Yeah. Two and, minutes of my life, I won't get back there. Any other year, it pro- Peyton probably would have would have gotten a nod. But like you say, I mean, Woodson – he he did it on both sides of the ball, so it, it's like, and then even on special teams. So I mean, you you can't you can't not you know acknowledge that. Yeah, <laughs> here's a here's a, a knock, not a knock, but here's what I think of Peyton Manning, and it's got nothing to do with Tom Brady. Okay, I like Tom Brady. It's not the issue here, but Peyton Manning, okay, he won two Super Bowls. Okay, give him credit for that. Mm-hmm. Now he went to the Super Bowl what three or four times. Four times. Okay, four times, two and two. Countless losses in the AFC championship game. Yep. Okay. Now. 11 and six against Tom Brady. Or he's six and 11 against Tom Brady, I should say. Okay, six and 11 against Tom Brady, which is his competition. Um, two and two in the Super Bowl. And it isn't just you that says he's a top three quarterback. Some think he's the greatest ever. but But then, you know. Then you got a guy like, you know, LeBron James who's been in the NBA Finals 10 times and lost 6 times and everybody thinks he's a um Adolf Hitler or something. But but Peyton Manning gets all this praise like he's, you know, just, you know, walks on water and all that. I, I have an issue with that. Yeah, but still, I mean, without getting into a, a LeBron tangent, but people still It's a fair comparison. Yeah, yeah, but Okay, but, he lo- I, what I'm trying to say is LeBron lost a lot and and uh Manning lost a lot. In the AFC title game, I, I would be curious to see what his record is in the AFC title game. Yeah. I'm not going to go as far as say Peyton Manning's the greatest quarterback of all time. A lot of people think that, though. Some people do, just like they think LeBron's the greatest of all time. But just like I think LeBron's no slouch. LeBron's top five, you know, top top three, whatever. Yeah. Right? Yeah. He might be the greatest in my mind, but he's up. I'm not knocking him for not being one of, one of the greats. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Yeah, and and then how come nobody talks about, you know, like how many Super Bowl rings he has? You know, because usually in the NBA, they're always judging, well, he's got this many championships. There's a lot of quarterbacks that have got more championships than he does. Yeah, they're, they're, I think, I think, and we've gotten into this before, where a lot of people putting weight on the number of championships a quarterback has. And I, th- I think the discrepancy there is like, there's a lot more guys on the NFL football field than there are on the basketball court. There's five guys on the basketball court. You know, one guy can more greatly affect a basketball game than one guy can affect a football game with 22 players on the field. Yeah. You know what I mean? Now with, with three phases of the game. I don't, I, don't, I don't think it's a lot of quarterbacks that have more championships than him because when you think about it, if you go to a Super Bowl four times in your career as a quarterback and think about the countless other quarterbacks, I mean, what, it was – 32 teams, was he in there when it was 28? Well, anyway, as many teams as it is, it is in the NFL, you're going to have two teams in the Super Bowl every year, which means there are countless other quarterbacks 
who didn't make it that year. Now, they, they may be great quarterbacks in their own aspect, but to get to the big game four times, I mean, they're, again, there are people and great basketball players, great baseball players, great football players that never made it to the big game. But to get to the big game four times and then to win it twice, I mean, that's that's saying something. Yeah, and we think we, we brought this up before on another show about getting to the Super Bowl, right? Mm-hmm. Where a guy like Jim Kelly, right, doesn't right. get enough credit. The dude played, went, got to four Super Bowls in a row. Right. Right. Yeah, he lost – that team lost those four Super Bowls, but they, they still went to four Super Bowls yeah. in a row. Yeah, and, and it is – even though it's the biggest game, it is just one game. And like you say, with that Jim Kelly reference – those Buffalo Bills teams were some great teams. I mean, yep. I mean you had some some man, Hall of Famers on, on man, all those squads. I mean, so to get to the big game and then to lose, again, it's still one game, but just getting there is a monumental feat. Yeah, and if, if there ever was a, a red mark on a career of a player like Peyton Manning, it's, it's his record against Tom Brady in those AFC 8 championship games. Yeah. That that would be his one knock. If that if those teams were just built a little bit different, maybe or or I'm not going to say they're coached differently because they had some pretty good coaches. But that was a guy that you know carried a team. You know that's that's the quarterback that made the players around him better. Yeah. Carried a team, just can get over the hump, and that's the difference between basketball and football. That one guy can't carry a football team like one guy could carry a basketball team. That's that's the way you view it, and I was, and that's a good opinion. But people don't view it that way. It's how many championships he win. People didn't start keeping track of championships in the NBA until Michael Jordan won six. Uh, now look, with everything I just said about Peyton Manning, he's I would put him in my top five all time. Well, in my lifetime, I can't say of all time, yeah, because I wasn't around in the fifty. In my lifetime, I'd be top five. I mean, and you also have to consider and and. A lot of times we we don't even consider this factor or whatnot, but when it comes to certain people winning championships, Super Bowls, or even when you break it down to individual games, you have to also consider the head coach, the offensive coordinator, the defensive coordinator. Hey, they're they're human, you know. So if uh, if you make a certain call on third and ten and you don't get it, now you got to punt and the game's over. I mean, that, that's the difference between. A Super Bowl championship, a playoff berth, uh, that one actual game that might get you over the hump or whatnot. But, you know, who's to say, you know, that if Tom Brady was in Indianapolis, that he would be what we are now a lot of people consider the GOAT? Yeah. But who's to say if Peyton Manning wasn't in New England, that he would have, wouldn't have trumped Brady's stats, you know, three or four times, you know? Yeah. So I don't think that would have worked because of the, the next point I was going to bring up is probably. The, the thing I respect or the, the accolade that I hold greatest for, for Peyton Manning is that he was, as far as quarterbacks go, maybe players, one of the greatest field generals of all time. Oh, absolutely. Like he controlled that offense. There was many yeah. years where players said, we had an offensive quarter, coordinator by name, mm-hmm. but, but Peyton Manning was calling plays on – he was the offensive coordinator. He was calling plays on the field. Right. I don't think that would have meshed well with Bill Belichick. He wouldn't be able to do that with Bill Belichick. But would that have made Peyton a better player? You know, that's the debate right yeah, there. Yeah, you know, because yeah. it, it, I, I cringe when I think, you know, especially as a high school football coach, a high school quarterback taking over play calling. You know what I'm saying? And then uh, as a coach in the NFL, what's the difference? 
You know, so my thing is, I think it's the dynamics, um, the the power struggle, you know, the fact that he did have a couple wins behind his name where this offensive coordinator basically probably had to kind of take a step back. If you want to keep Peyton Manning on your roster, this is what we're going to do. Yeah. And, you know, he again, like you say, he, he is the the, the and, original field general that would change plays at the line of scrimmage yeah. and – no, so. The king of the audible call, right? King of it. And maybe that would have worked because Bill Belichick's a defensive guy. He would be like, okay, I worry about the defense. Peyton, you you call the offense, you know? Let me yeah. say this, Dan. Look, my issue with Peyton Manning is more of a college thing. It has nothing to do with the NFL. He is, I mean, when he played in the NFL, he was, you know, exciting. One of the best of all time. Um, Great, great player. One of the great athletes, period, just in any sport. Now, it's a little more personal with me because every time I look at him on TV, when I hear that that voice, and all I picture is is when they uh, when they're in New York City at the Heisman uh, presentation, and the and the winner of the nineteen ninety seven Heisman Trophy. You know, you got all four guys sitting there next to each other, and they, and they announced Charles Woodson's name. Th- this was his reaction. <laughs> Look, man, let's, me, you, and Mike. That's a quarterback mentality. Me, you, and Mike, we're here. One of us is going to be presented as the MVP of such and such. Okay? Now, there's a 66% chance that I might not win the award. Okay? If you win, job, Dan. Job, buddy. Mike, good job, man. Congratulations, man. Well, you know, where we, you know, where, we, where we drinking at tonight or whatever. I'm not going to sit there and frown and pout. The better guy won the Heisman Trophy. The the guy, Charles Woodson, is like a top five college player of all time. He won. Bow down. Shake his hand. Get your little pickup truck. Go back to Kentucky or Tennessee, wherever you came from, and just quit quit pouting and just shake his hand and, and have a little class. Yeah, that, little, that's yeah. what, hold on. That's what I have. That's why I have an issue with Peyton Manning. Is the way he can, he's supposed to be from this great royalty family. I mean, did Archie Manning teach you any family values? The guy won. Okay, his peers voted for him. You go up there, shake his hand, and then go in your little pickup truck with the KC lights on it and get the hell out of here. Go mud bog somewhere down in the Smoky Mountains where you came from. That's the issue I have with Peyton Manning. That's why I don't got nothing nice to say about him. How do you know? Because my image, I don't know. He just looks like it. Looks like he does. That long forehead. But. That, that's I have a personal issue with Manning. It got nothing to do with playing ability. Nothing to do with playing ability. Yeah. See, I, okay. I, I yeah, but that's know. you. That's you talking as an adult. You do, you really know in that situation. Hold, Dan, you know I hold grudges as a twenty-one-year-old kid. Yeah. Dan, you know. I hold I hold grudges for a very long time. Okay, not proud of that. I'm not proud of that. But no, that's that's the way I view Peyton. Like, like Dan is saying, as as a twenty-one-year-old kid, and, and admittedly, even me now, I do not have a good poker face. So if if Dan was sitting there and he had the the best defensive lineman in Central History trophy and it came down to you and I, I'm going to just say, I'm going to have some stuff to say if I didn't get it. You know, it is what it is. You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, I I understand, but, again, everybody doesn't have a good poker face. And like Dan said, when you're thinking about a 21-year-old kid who has been trained by Archie, been told by everybody that you're the greatest quarterback that the earth has ever seen, and then to have to take second place to a defensive player, right? 
I mean, and not yeah. to mention the expectation is there because until that point, no, the defensive player hadn't won it, right? Absolutely, right. So you're like, oh, well, I, I, nobody's going to yeah, get but, it to a yeah, defensive well, player, right? Was, yeah, look, right. it's good you got here. You're sitting next to the me. Heisman but. Tr- the Heisman <laughs> Trophy is one of the trophies that you can't complain or whine or cry if you lose because your peers are voting for you. Okay, a majority of them felt Woodson was the best. He yep. won the trophy. Shake his hand. Put the put a little smile on your face. You are an entertainer. You're presenting yourself in the public. Then when you leave, then you say, "I can't believe I lost to that sorry motherfucker." Yeah, say the, something like that when you leave. But at the same time, he's a 21 year old kid, right? You can't, I've never you seen can't, any other 21 year old kid do that when they lose. A, no, no, no. What's, what's the clip? Of the, you can't uh, the hit coach a, hold a 15 year old grudge for a kid having a, a 20 year old, 21 year old having a momentary lapse of judgment and. Yeah. Non poker face, right? Like, what's the clip where the coach was uh, defending his player? Like, I'm a man. I'm forty. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> Is that was that uh, Mike Gundy from Oklahoma State? I think was it. I think so. Yeah, I'm a they, man. They, God they, damn it! Thank you. They were ripping his quarterback, you know, because he did something towards the end of the game, made a mistake, cost him the game or whatnot. And he was like, you know, you guys, you're talking to him, and he's just a young kid. I'm a man. I'm forty. Talk to me like that, you know. So I mean, hey, I, look, I come from an area. When I lose, when they win, and they were better, give them some love, shake their hand, a little fist pump. You know that that's how we do it where I come from. Maybe that's not how it is where he. We, we came were coached from. well. You're right. We, we were we coached. Did, we were yeah. coached well. Yep. Okay. Enough of him, Peyton Man. <laughs> Speaking of that, you said there's four guys, right? Who's the fourth guy? Because it was Peyton Manning, Charles Woodson, Ryan Leaf, Randy Moss. Was it Randy Moss? Yeah, that's Moss. right. It was Randy Moss. He had the he had the dreads. Okay. He had the Serena Williams dreads. He had the little marbles at the bottom. Yeah, he, he had the nicest suit on too. All right. Yeah. Yeah. He knows how to dress. So he speaking, could, Randy Moss knows how to wear a suit. Yeah. So speaking of that, Heisman, sound like you now complimenting him. On Heisman that. class, same same Heisman class, <laughs> same Hall of Fame class. Save the best for last here, and we'll talk about the great Charles Woodson. Like we said, only defensive player to ever win the Heisman Trophy. Uh, 1997 national champion with Michigan. Uh, played 11, 11 seasons with the Raiders. Seven with the something like, yeah, Green Bay right. Packers. Yeah. All right. Charles Woodson. Just, Mike, talk about Charles Woodson. Oh, man. Honestly, I, I can't talk about Charles Woodson without bringing up Dre Weathers. And, again, we were hoping he was going to be here today. But – that tandem in in Michigan, and especially the year that they won the uh, Rose Bowl, I mean, it, it that that team was, you know, just on, on something different. And a lot of the teams, you know, they they would try to go away from Woodson, but then they had to deal with Dre, and Dre stepped up every single time. But then when Woodson had to make a play, it, it was just like a no brainer. It was like a Deion Sanders, like prime time in college. And then for him to be able to not only do it on defense, but then have the athleticism, the stamina, the mental know-how to get on special teams, run back kickoffs, punts, whatever it is, then go get on offense, playing that slot or wide receiver or wherever the heck they had them. I mean, the classic battles with, uh, was it uh, Boston? David Boston, yeah. Oh, my goodness. I mean, Woodson, and and then I, I have to even speak from my own experience, you know, from playing against the guys when I was at Illinois, I mean, he always did it at a, 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 a supreme level. I mean, and just in his preparation, his execution, I mean, he, he was a, a player's player. You know what I'm saying? So the team rallied around him. 
So and and it was like it was infectious. And and again, just just hearing like some of the stories that that Dre would just tell us about him in the locker room and and the leadership and the way that he would take command. I mean, every coach wants a Woodson, and not even for the athletic part about it, but for the leadership part about it, just to have somebody like that in the locker room rallying the troops. Uh, the the guys, you know, can trust him, depend on him. Cause, and, and the thing about it is when you're getting ready to get on the field, as you look around, you don't want to see guys with the wide eyes and the where when they smell the peanuts and popcorn and now everything kind of locks up. You want guys like Woodson, who's loose, who's getting you hype, who's ready to go, letting you know, making you feel more confident. So, again, I mean, even more so than just the athleticism, a leader on the field, leader off the field, hats off to the guy. Class act. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, like Mike said, man, he's uh, really like a coach's dream. He's, he's obviously athletically skilled, obviously. That goes without saying. But, but you got a kid who's going to stay out of trouble, Grades are going to be good. It's going to lead by example. Great leader. I mean, that's like the best thing Mike said. Great leadership skills. Um, he was, I believe he was all Big Ten as a freshman, if I'm not mistaken. I think he was first team all Big Ten. I could be wrong on that. He was all Big Ten. I think so. Um, you know, what's in, what's an interesting, uh, you see a lot of, Charles Woodson, Deion Sanders comparisons, okay? And, and in my opinion, that's a good comparison. I'm not saying he's better than Deion. not saying he ain't. But you, you get some of these college football marks on these other forums, and they, they think that's like a ridiculous comparison. Oh, Deion, this and that. And I don't have a problem with if, if someone thought Deion was better or they would take Deion. I would personally take Charles Woodson if, if I sound like a homer. That, that's okay. Because he's the only NFL player in history that's a part of the 50-20 club. That's 50 INTs and 20 sacks. Only player ever. What you get out of Woodson, you get professionalism every week, week in and week out for 17, 18 years. He's going to leave it all on the field. I don't know how many times he made the Pro Bowl. Uh, Probably didn't make the Pro Bowl, what, maybe once or twice? Um. Just a just a classy guy, man. And uh, if there's if there's uh, if if the Hall of Fame was based on, let's say, because like in every sport, you know, they probably induct I don't know eight or nine guys every year in every sport. If the Hall of Fame was just for the elite of the elite players, let's say like uh, let's say the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame only had forty players on it today, mm-hmm. and it, the NFL. Charles Woodson would still be a first ballot Hall of Famer. He's like a he didn't win as many championships as Kobe Bryant. Kind of like a like the like a Kobe Bryant type or uh in terms of everything that Mike mentioned with the professionalism and and leading. So there there's uh man in a long time there probably in the last 10 or 20 years there's not a player more deserving to be in the Hall of Fame in my opinion than than Chuck. 9 Pro Bowls. 9 Pro Bowls. 9 time Pro Bowler. Yep. Okay. Uh that's saying a lot because you, you always get those young guys coming in and, and every year, you know, even with like the workouts, the bigger, faster, stronger, you know, some guys are coming in running four twos, four one nines and this, that and the other. But to be a, a veteran and still a pro bowler after, you know, nines, man, that, that's just saying, saying a lot. And then like with the, uh, the Dion comparisons. Um, you know, they, they both, you know, Dion could line up at slot. Dion could line up at wide receiver. And obviously he could line up at corner. But 
I, it, it scares me to even think about even seeing Dion in a stance at safety. <laughs> I, just, I just can't see it, you know. And then, you know, I, I'm not sure if he can hit coming downhill like Woodson could. So, again, that's that's where I think that the separation comes in. And, and, and I, honestly, I don't even have an opinion who's better. They, they, they're both great they're both in, their, great, in yeah. their own right. So, I, I'm not yep. saying Woodson is better or Dion's better, but – I would not want to see Dion in a safety stance. Woodson, man, Woodson, me, Woodson played that. just as well as safety as he did at corner, right? Um, absolutely. You don't think about Woodson being a hard tackler or a hard hitter, mm-hmm. but he's a great tackler. Absolutely. Right? He's one great. of those corners that wasn't afraid to step up and, and tackle the running back, wasn't, wasn't doing the ole like some corners do, like I'm going to try to arm tackle you. He was in there and he was making At the Central, tackle. we call that titty bumping. <laughs> titty bumping. Dre used to call it turndowns. <laughs> and, and the thing about it is, you know, in the several years I coached uh, football in Flint with uh, Dre and uh, Fred Jackson, and, you know, I, every now and then I'd be able to catch a glance and look over there and see some of the drills that Dre would have the DBs and um, the, the corners and safeties going through. And so, you know, I just, you know, can't help but to think, man, these are some of the drills that him and Wood were going through. And honestly, I, I've never seen, you know, in, in like coaching some of those drills, especially like the way he would have them flipping their hips when they're, you know, you know stalking the ball, um, just, just the mechanics and the things that, you know, somebody like Dre and that, that they were being taught at that level at Michigan, I'm not even sure who their uh, their uh, DB coach was at that time. Um, but they had, you could tell they had some superior coaching, some superior technique, and it paid off, I mean, tremendously for both of them. So. Yeah. Yeah, Charles Woodson, uh, 1998 Defensive Player Rookie or Defensive Rookie of the Year, 2009 NFL Defensive Player of the Year, uh, four-time first-team All-Pro, two-time NFL inception leader or uh, interception leader, two thousands All-Decade team. I mean, the guy was just great, great. Yeah. And we talk about, <clears throat> excuse me, the Heisman Trophy. Like, if Charles Woodson just plays defense, uh, he probably doesn't win the Heisman Trophy. I agree. He's he's probably there. He's yeah. probably sitting there. Probably doesn't win. But it was his versatility, his athleticism that led him to the Heisman Trophy, being able to play defense, special teams, wide receiver. It was just all over the field. Just a a dynamic player. Well, it helps. It it helps when um, it was the Penn State game when he caught that reception and ran it, took it to the house. It helps when you have a play like that where you can see it. I mean, I'm saying, you know, that can propel you to a Heisman because you're going to see it on the highlight reels every week. Yeah. that's why I was hoping Jabril Peppers would uh, intercept one and just take one of the house so somebody could see that on the highlight reels every week. But, no, Woodson, though, um, damn, I lost my train of thought. I was getting ready to say something about Woodson. Oh, I was going to talk about the 97 Huskers and Michigan team for a minute because we can't, we, we can't go without talking about that for a quick, quick minute here. Woodson and Dre would have locked down that Nebraska – Trio, in my opinion, okay? Now, I don't, I mean, I don't know. I don't know that to be fact. It's just my opinion. Mm-hmm. Now, and I never underestimate Tom Osborne, okay? His credentials speak for themselves. Absolutely. But I would say this to like any Nebraska guy that's hearing me talk about Charles Woodson. I would say we're never going to know who, who would have won that game. However, we did have two common opponents that year, which was Baylor and Colorado. 
You look at what Nebraska did to those two teams, and then you look at what we did to them. Then talk to me. We shut one of them out. Done with that discussion with that Nebraska. Yeah. Now, I'm talking about 97 only. Nebraska had good teams before that, too. But yeah. And that Missouri game Nebraska had where the guy kicked the ball at the yeah. end of the game, that, did a cartwheel, jumped in the stands. Which and, was illegal, by the way. You which was illegal. We that, didn't have no games. Like, shouldn't have we counted. didn't have no they games like that. lost that game. We didn't have no games like that. What? And then they said, well, they only beat Washington State by five points in the Rose Bowl. They're, Washington State's in the fucking Rose Bowl, man. Yeah. What do you mean? As a good damn team, Ryan Leaf Ryan almost Leaf. won a Heisman Trophy yeah, that year. Absolutely. Fuck out of here, man. Yeah. All right. Sorry. <laughs> it's the defense. The defense would have contributed more to the win of that game, I think. Yeah. yeah. And even yeah. even the special teams aspects. A lot a lot of people, you know, especially when you're talking about football, you can go through like man millions of interviews, and all you're going to hear is offense, defense. A lot of people. Special teams is like the the adopted child or something. Not not adopted child. The uh, miss the redheaded uh, stepchild. I, I don't even want to use that kind of reference, but you know, just this not really paid much attention to. And for him to be on special teams is one thing, but to get on special teams and then to be able to excel like he did. I mean, running a, a kickback, running, running a punt back for a touchdown is hard as I don't know what. Running a kickoff return back yeah. for a touchdown. I mean, those are, are some feats that some of the greats never accomplished in college or, or pros. But he did it in in college, man, on every side of the ball, whether it was offense, defense, special teams. He scored in all phases, and I just don't think people really understand and give him credit for that. And and, and I and excuse me, I, I am a special teams coach. So I love special teams. You know, Coach uh, Greg McMahon was our special teams coach. Uh, when I was at Illinois, he was with Peyton in uh, New Orleans for several years. I'm not, he might still be there. <clears throat> but we really put a big emphasis on special teams at Illinois. So watching what Woodson did on special teams, that's, that's honestly what took it over the top for me. You know, I understand what he did on defense. Man, I enjoyed watching offense, but watching them returns and, and hitting that sideline and then turning on that speed, man, like yeah. I say, he, he's one of the greatest to do it. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Dan, let me say one more thing about Woodson, and, and this is what I'm hoping for in the future. Uh, this is kind of a heart thing I'm going to say here. I know you get at me with this heart thing. It's a heart thing I'm going to say now. I'm hoping that <clears> – <throat> Heisman trophies, like when Archie Griffin, okay, won the back-to-back Heismans, and he's the only one to do that. And it's pretty clear that I don't think that they'll ever let another person win a second Heisman, okay? I think that's pretty sacred for Archie Griffin. I'm hoping that that's the same for a defensive player winning a Heisman. Uh, Hopefully that's a sacred once-in-a-lifetime thing that a defensive player would win the the Heisman trophy in college football. And I just – I hope Woodson is uh, the only one that holds that distinction, like the way Archie for the back-to-back Heisman's. Yeah. I'm hoping yeah, it's it's it'll be pretty difficult. I don't. It'll be pretty difficult for someone else to do that. It, yeah. I, I, it's one of those things that I don't ever see being touched. Yeah, but and especially nowadays where the college game has changed, oh. um, and, and in all aspects, even basketball and football, the talent is so spread out nowadays. I mean, a top team can get beat by man. Uh, um, 
man, Northwest Dakota State. I mean, it just depends on yeah. if you if you come in tuned in, locked in, and ready to play. So, I mean, it's it's such a widespread of talent. That's why I love watching the game nowadays. It, you you have to, you know, come in on your p's and q's, or anybody is is vulnerable any weekend and week out. Yeah, and even even in recent years, it's become you know the Heisman Trophy has primarily become a quarterback award. You know, it used to be it used to be some running backs in there, uh, but it's primarily been given to quarterbacks. I was really shocked last year that it went to a wide receiver. Um, and only and, the and third not, time in history. Yeah, yeah, not a quarterback or a running back who predominantly you know earned that award. But as far as Charles Charles Woodson goes, I, I got one more clip from a Hall of Fame speech, and I, I think as as much as Charles know is Charles Woodson is known for being the player that he is. I think if the second thing everybody's going to say about him is like he's a classy dude, right? He's just respectful, teammate, right? Just does things the right way. And I think this clip of uh, his Hall of Fame, Hall of Fame speech uh, really represents that. Okay. Any player that play with me, please stand up. Stand up. Any Michigan Wolverine out there, player, keep standing. Keep standing. Any Michigan Wolverine, stand up. Any Green Bay Packer, past, future, present, old fan, stand up. Any Oakland Raider fan, Las Vegas Raider fan, stand up. Keep standing. Keep standing. Anybody, anybody who's a fan of the way I played the game of football, you stand up too. Anybody. I'm standing. I'm standing right here. My coach Lloyd Carr told me a long time ago. I had to stand. There's no one bigger than the team. Got on my Illinois gear, so no, no one bigger than the team. He said his his old coach Lloyd Carr said no one's bigger than the team. And I, you know, I wish uh, I wish Dre would be here to talk about this because he's probably the only one in the room that could have spoke, you know, to that point that Charles Woodson just made. You know, mm-hmm. Lloyd Carr told him that no one bigger than the team. Absolutely, that's the way he played the game. Yeah, I remember seeing Lloyd Carr in the corner. He came in uh, to, uh, when we played Northwestern. I think it was my senior year, Dre's junior year. He was standing there in the tunnel, made that eye contact. It, you know, some of those things, you know, you just you just can't script. And it was just one of those moments, you know, and locked eyes with him. And it was just like, so so this is what this is about, huh? Okay, <laughs> just exciting times. Yeah, well, uh, we're we're coming down on uh, almost two hours now, so I think we should uh, two hours, almost two hours. Okay, yeah, so. I want real quick. I want Mike to talk about the uh, almost two hours. I can't remember the name. It was three F's. F F F. <laughs> oh, our family first Fridays. Yeah, family <laughs> first Fridays. Uh, Mike's going to talk about real quick. Oh, okay. Well, be- before I do that, I want to just close out the uh, the, the piece about uh, the NFL and different things because I, I um, listened to uh, Fanica's uh, NFL um, Hall of Fame speech too. And I just want to put it out here to the audience. One of the things that he said, he mentioned his high school coach. Um, he was talking about, you know, getting in the game and, you know, not really necessarily, you know, thinking, you know, that he's, you know, on this other level. And it was actually a coach who encouraged him and poured into him and made him understand that he could actually play at the next level and be great. So I just wanted to say that to say to everybody out there, there are youth all around you, and you have an opportunity to put something into them. Man, it takes five minutes, ten minutes out your day to just pour into the life of the youth around here. Encourage them. Let them know that there is another level. They can excel. They can be great. 
This is the time. This is the place. Go out and do your thing. Now, Family First Fridays. Appreciate that, Ray. Yep. <clears throat> As you know, I, uh, well, I guess everybody doesn't know, I work at Flint Culture Center Academy. And what we're um, doing in partnership, man, with uh, a great list of people. Uh, let me just go ahead and name this off real quick. Uh, we're going to be working with um, the Mark Ingram Foundation, all the institutions within the cultural center. So that's the Flint Institute of Arts, Flint Institute of Music, um, Applewood, uh, Sloan Longway. Uh, we're going to be uh, presenting Family First Fridays. Hopefully we can get it started towards the second or third week in September where we're going to invite everyone within who can tune in to 93.7, Cars 101, uh, uh, no, Cars 108, Banana 101, something like that. I apologize. But if you hear the, the radio broadcast, we want you guys to come out to the Cultural Center. We're going to have all kind of events for parents and students to participate in together. So we're, we're trying to bring the families back together because a lot of times families can't find that time to spend with their kids. But we're going to be putting on events at uh, the Sloan Museum where uh, they'll be coding with robots and making them do all kind of cool things. There's one that can play the xylophone, can pick up different items, and then you'll, you'll code them yourself. Uh, we're going to work uh, with the Flint Institute of Arts. Uh, you'll be able to take uh, tours and guided tours and different things. The Mark Ingram Foundation is going to come in. We'll be talking about finance, uh, how to uh, make a, a video, um, even barbering. Um, we'll be working with uh, Flint Institute to Music, um, we'll, uh, maybe some uh, music therapy. And uh, we're going to have all kind of classes going on at Flint's uh, Cultural Center Academy for uh, parents and students to participate in together. So it's just going to be a whole bunch of things for you to do with your kids. Uh, we're going to have everything where you have to register on Eventbrite. So, you know, just be looking for that information as it come out because seating will be limited. But for uh, the foreseeable future on Fridays, think about the cultural center and think about your family. Let's get everybody together. Come on out. It's going to be a great time. We're going to have food. Uh, the trucks from 93.7 and uh, 101 and 108 will be there uh, giving out CDs and tickets and different things. We'll have, uh, like I say, food, candy, and just a great time for, like I say, the Shiawassee, Genesee County, the whole area. Okay. That's great, man. I, I really appreciate uh, guys like Mike and guys like Stacy Winchester and Fred Jackson and uh, and Andre Weathers. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of people I can name. Really, really appreciate what those guys do I, I, I night in say, and night out I was to make their that. community better, man. I really appreciate all that. Yeah, I was going to say that myself after you made that point about, you know, having coaches and giving back to the community. You know, it's good that – that the city of Flint has guys like yourself and Andre Weathers and Fred Jackson that that are now into coaching, giving back to the youth and yeah. creating the youth athletics in the city of Flint. Yeah, absolutely. And and you know we got it on us. You know a lot of us were were coached by the same coaches. So like Cliff Turner, uh, Dick Hafner, uh, Gooch, Ufinger, Hollick, Paraskis. I mean th those are some of the, the the gentlemen that made us who we are. And there's you know. The ones that are around are still active in the community, still being leaders. Uh, so, you know, we, we just we have to do our part because we were taught better, you know. So, you know, we I, again, I appreciate working with the guys that, I, that I'm working with. And I appreciate the guys that taught us how to do it and show us how to do it with character, man, day in, day out. So my hat's off to all the, all the uh, gentlemen that poured into the lives of us young people from Flint, you know, Ray included. You know, when we were coming up and, you know, didn't know anything about anything, but they took time out of their day. And I understand it now more that I have my own family. So I understand the the sacrifice that coaches make. 
I mean, you know, year in and year out, you know, just to make this, I mean, honestly, a better world. So hats off. Awesome. That definitely gets some applause. Definitely. All right. Is that going to conclude today? That's, yeah, we should wrap it up. Yeah. Okay. I didn't know it was two hours. Yeah. I felt like we just got here like a half hour yeah. ago, 45 minutes ago. So it happens it's when you talk time. about stuff you love, right? Absolutely. But yeah. I'm glad to be back, uh, back in the studio. Glad to have Big Mike. Uh, opening our show with us today. Good, Good topics today. Absolutely. Good topics. I got fired up a couple times. I, you know, well, what can I say, man? I word things differently than I'm not as articulate as you guys are. You guys are really intelligent. You know, I've told Dan this. I'm not trying to put him over, or make his head all bigger than what it is, but I've told Dan, and this, you know, holds for you too, man. You guys could have done anything. You guys could have been a lawyer. A doctor. You guys are that smart and that hardworking and dedicated. Yes, Dan, I'm putting you over here, um, but. No, I mean that when I say it. I don't just throw stuff out there like that. I don't don't really, you know, I don't really say that, uh, use that loosely, but I just, I have to present things the way that I know how, and I, I don't know, if I say silly stuff on here. I, Dan told me not to apologize for that no more, so I'm not apologizing for anything that I've said if I offended anybody with the vaccine or talking about the South or whatever. Usually it is what to, it is. Huh? It is what it is. It is what it is. You you love you love us. Watch the show. If you don't, if, don't turn, if turn to somebody, something else. We don't care. If somebody and look, it's going to get worse as the weeks go on. If somebody doesn't like what I say, I mean this in a friendly way. Okay, nothing violent. Not going to have people here. If you don't like what I say, if you're offended, there's always a chair for you right here. Let's talk about it peacefully. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And if you want to take it somewhere else, we can. But I'm you know I come here in peace. <laughs> I'm a hardworking man, <laughs> and you you compliment us about being smart and intelligent, and all that kind of stuff. But Ray, you got your, you got your own skills too. I, I wish I wish I was a, as as an eloquent of a speaker as you. Mm-hmm. You know, and bold. Well, got, a, you. got a way with words. You're bold. You're not. You know, you just put it out there and and you you say it the right way. Yeah. And, and Ray, is, Ray is one of those guys too. Is it's like once you're in, you're in. You know what I'm saying? And and. He could care less whether you agree with him or disagree with him. You know, he loves the debate. He loves yeah. the, to chop it up. He loves the different opinions. And, you know, Ray is the type of guy, if, if you're right, you're right. You know, <laughs> he, if he can see both sides of the ball. So, I mean, man, you you the man, Ray. You, you're infectious, your personality, me and your family, you already know. Um, I, I you know, love working with your, your sister over at um, – uh, DTM and everything and, and all the things, great things that she's doing with the students over there. Um, and she has a great uh, community school director over there as well, uh, Jason Rogers. So they're doing some awesome things in the community. So, I mean, and, and you're doing your thing too. So, I mean, the fa- it's, a, it's a family thing Thank for you, you too, man. So, man, hats off to Thank you as well, you. Thank bro. You. I appreciate you saying that about my sister, uh, Angela. Angela Sencio Midland, man. Really appreciate that. Uh, I just hope that, uh, hope my dad's proud of both of us. I'm sure he is. I'm yep. sure he is. Okay, well, so we're uh, going to get out of yeah. here. Um, it, we, we, we're making some improvements around here at D-Sweet Nation. As you notice, we're not in a bar anymore, right? We're, we got our own, our own place, thanks to, to Jerry from Sharky Sports Bar and yeah. Grill for giving us this little uh, office space, a, a studio. Great mozzarella sticks at right? Sharky's. So, Great mozzarella and fajita wraps. Just. So some big changes coming. Uh, we're making some improvements, slowly yeah. but surely. A lot of changes to come yep. you'll see in the next couple of weeks. Yep. We just ask if you, if you like the show. You know, hit us up on YouTube, yep. subscribe, like, yeah. share it, blast us out there, get it, get us to everyone you know, and uh, good things are coming. Yeah, we're back. You, we took a little break, but we're back. If you don't like the show, then tell an enemy. 
<laughs> right? Good yeah. way to put it. <laughs> yeah. um, I, I do want to say thanks, though, to all the people that let us use their venue. Mike let us use the, the Flint Cultural Center Academy for the Youth yeah. Finger Contest. You got Heath Hoffman, Hoffman from uh, Deco Deli, um, Gio, Gio from Daisy, Daisy Dukes, Dukes. Uh, the Davison Hotel, which Davison you Hotel. took care of that one. Yeah, um, yeah. And all the other places, Luigi's, uh, Tom Bobian, let us use Luigi's. Yeah. So, um, Sharky's Sports Bar. Sharky's, yeah. Jerry, let us use that. And, and I, uh, I got to shout out uh, my, my main man, Eric Liskey, for uh, you know allowing us to up in uh, Flint Culture Center Academy. He's the uh, CEO there. Um, and, and just real quick about Liskey, it's, it's great working with the guy who you know can not only uh, see your vision but does everything that he can do in his power to help you execute it. I mean, the city of uh, Flint and the, the students in Flint, well, actually, you know, we, we're borderless, so the students that are actually, actually able to come to Flint Culture Center Academy are, are in a great position, and they're lucky to have him at the helm. So, you know, mad shout-out to uh, Mr. Liskey. Yep. Thanks, Mr. Liskey, for yeah. letting us use that studio a couple yep. years ago. Cloud Roadhouse, one we forgot. We did do an episode of Cloud Roadhouse. Yep. Cloud Roadhouse. <laughs> you didn't pay for Steve's drink when he left, and the waitress got mad at me. <laughs> Um. Yep. Is Sounds that, about right. yeah. We're not leaving anybody out, are we? Randy Scott, let us use the studio. Yes. At Randy DT, Scott, Davidson DTV. High School. Forgot yep. about that. Yes. Absolutely. Thank you. And uh, and then all the Zoom, the Zoom thing was fun. I had fun doing the Zoom thing, but yeah, it's all been it's all been fun, man. All been fun. Yeah. Like we said, took a little break, but we're back, and we're back at it now. We're not going yeah. anywhere. Hopefully, Dan don't quit on us again. No, I'm just no, no I'm kidding. No, no kidding. comment on that. <laughs> I got no room to talk. Look at the hissy fit I had a couple months ago. <laughs> Fuck this shit. I'm done. This motherfuckers ain't showing up, man. Fuck it. Hey, this is a wonderful <laughs> environment around here. But we're back. We're back. That's if cool. you want to support us, like I said, subscribe, like us, watch us on YouTube, spread us around, hit us up uh, if you want to contribute in any way. But uh, we're back and we're doing this because we love it and we're not going anywhere. Okay, and we're up for ideas. I mean, you know, because Dan and I have our own creative ideas, but if people out there have ideas, want to message us, yeah, we're open to ideas. Yep. So hit us up on YouTube, Facebook, uh, Instagram account to come. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yep. It's a beautiful day. Uh, hope everybody has a good weekend. Enjoy your day. We'll see you next week with uh, Big Judson Anderson and Jay Green. Take care. <laughs>